Thursday edition of Canuck Central. We've taken the Kintech studio on the road. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for as we come to you live from Hotel Vancouver Fairmont, a downtown van, as we get set for the Dyson Ice Gala for your Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks here for a great cause, of course, and if you want to check it out and, and delve into it a bit further, you can do so uh, by checking out Canucks for Kids Fund Dyson Ice Gala 2024, an online auction you can check out and Canuck Central is brought to you by Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. It's Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar, and uh, we are hopeful to have, have a number of conversations with Canucks players, perhaps coaches, if we are so lucky, as we spend the next couple hours at this event here in downtown Vancouver, Bik. Yeah, where are we? Uh, Hotel Vancouver. I'm glad you know that. Come on. I'm glad you know that. Stop. Little uh, BTS here for the folks. Uh, so, oh, so, come on. So we show you, up you, you here. You do this? Really? Yeah, of course. The show uh, started. You know, Can I talk about the Josh team? messages us. And, and by the way, I'm filling in for Reach today. So it's not even like my show. I, I'm helping you guys out here today. And so I, helping I get us here out and, here uh, today. Yeah, yeah, I certainly about get, to help me out right now. Get to the Hotel uh, Fairmont, Vancouver here on Georgia. And I see Josh and we're waiting. And it's, you know, time's ticking by. And Sat's like, hey, I'm in an Uber. All right, cool. We're all going to be on time. And. Sat's so like, hey, where are we going? We're like by the grand staircase, ready for Dyson Ice, the the, the well-dressed, good-looking fellas out here. And, all right, a couple of minutes go by, and uh, suddenly, you know, Josh and I are laughing. It's like, you couldn't have been that lost. And I, I joke. It's, it's a big like, hotel. Yeah, it's a big hotel. It's a bit of a labyrinth here at times. But uh, nevertheless, it, it's easy to find your way around. And I, and I go, do you think he's at the right hotel? I was not at the narrator. He was not at the right hotel. Uh, I, I didn't even go to the other Fairmont. There's another Fairmont, the Pacific Rim, Rim one, yeah. just down the road. I, oh, I went to the hotel closest to the the rink. The rink, it's so. Good. So yeah, I went to park. I don't know why I thought it was a park. So I ended up there. And the funny thing is, as soon as Josh told me, oh, he's like, "Oh, you're at the right hotel." I was like, "Oh my god!" I remember. We're like, we're supposed to be at the hotel Vancouver Fairmont, and I remember having this conversation, you know, at the station a couple of weeks back, and. Canberra, our, our fearless leader, was telling us, make sure it's at Hotel Vancouver, <laughs> not at Park this time. And yeah, I still went to the wrong hotel. And if it wasn't for, you know, Josh asking me, I was like walking up and I'm like, oh, where's the comic? Goodness. It looks like they have the catering service. I don't see any Dyson Ice stuff. Like, what's going on? I, I'm getting that message confused. of like the, the notification, Sat Shaw, I'm at Park. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm screenshotting that, and I'm framing that. That was, like, so good. Ah, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Hustled over, man. I, I made it on time. I made Look, it on time. Look, your staples were bad, but your effort was good. There you go. Yes. <laughs> That's right. My staples. My effort was there. My staples, I was a little bit oh, awry. Oh, goodness. Uh, I mean, but, but uh, you know, unlike the coach, Canucks head coach, you're blasting me here on... Uh, <laughs> On the airwaves as we get ready for the first segment. I feel like, I'm I feel like Elias sure. Pedersen all of a sudden. I, I'm just taking the curtain back and uh, making sure everyone knows what's going on. Fine, fine. Yes, I was the idiot. Went to the wrong hotel. I got here on time. Yeah. It's all good. So uh, we'll, we'll try to have a lot of fun here the next couple hours and delve into uh, everything around your Vancouver Canucks. And for all the discussion, you know, obviously around the star players and, and of course, last night with uh, – um, the overtime winner, people were critical of Elias Pettersson, and obviously we joke about the coach's comments. Who didn't fans really fans were critical. yes, fans were critical. That, the coach uh, called into the uh, post game show. Yeah, last night. Uh, they, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, some were texters certainly, mm-hmm. uh, but the coach obviously just mentioned want to be a bit better than the yeah. last three or four games. I think too spicy, but just you know, kind of the obvious or whatever. But th- the one guy that, and it kind of goes by a bit more quietly because the Canucks lost the game. Pew Suter. 
gets a hat trick. Maybe mm-hmm. one of the quietest hat tricks we've seen in, in Canucks history, really. Well, certainly I mean, there was no immediate reaction. It, t- it took the fans yeah. like a, a good like couple minutes to figure out, wait, that was a hat trick? We're going to throw the hats here. They waited for regulation yeah. to end to throw the hats onto the ice. So a few hats went on the ice. They did, you know, give a belated recognition to Pew Suter and, and his hat trick. But, like, he really personifies what the Canucks have been getting in terms of value from the bottom six players. And, and even key players, if you want to talk about surplus value, really. You go through it, and I, I know you put out a tweet about this last night, and you know, find a player that, you know, at, at the start of the, the, the regime, there was so much talk about you know, finding players that outperform their contracts and, and are providing that surplus value that you're talking about. And you actually go through the whole list of players. Who's not doing that? It, it, it's a very small list, and this is how you overcome maybe some, some, some contracts that are maybe a bit of a drag. It's how many guys are outperforming their deals and now providing you that. And, and Suter at 1.6 and a late summer acquisition. It's just been a nice little find here for a guy who's put up 12 goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the, his versatility, you play up and down your lineup. And, you know, he's not a bonafide top six player, but he can he can play in that role for a little bit. And right now he's having some success playing with um, Miller and Besser at least the last game. But it's more about... Now you go through all these players in this team. And some of the discussions we've had over the years about where the Canucks get a difference, where can you get that type of value that really puts you over the top. And this is what it is now. I mean, Sam Lafferty, Niels Hoaglander, Pew Suter. I mean, just go through the list. Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua. And you can even talk about, you know, for all the talk about Elias Pettersson and his future contract, well, he's getting paid $7 million on the cap right now. There is a huge surplus value. Absolutely. JT Miller, surplus yeah. value. I mean, Two guys in the top 10 of scoring. Exactly. So, And then Thatcher Demko, massive as well. Quinn so, Hughes. And it's, and it's one of those things where, at the end of the day, it comes down to player performance. Mm-hmm. And if you can find create an environment where you can get the best versions of the players because you put them in the right positions to be successful, well, that's going to be your big edge. And that's where the coaching staff comes in, but identifying these right players. And I, it's just one of those things when you watch Pew Suter play and you're like, they really got this guy for $1.6 million. And it showed you the patience in the offseason to wait to get this right. guy signed. And now you have a guy making just twice as much as league minimum, giving you big-time production. At a look, and he's going to be here next year as well. We're talking about a 27-year-old player too, and it's 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 the slotting too that okay, it, it makes most sense, you know, when he's in a a bottom six role. But mm-hmm. hey, there's an injury here, there's an opportunity. Can you jump up for a short spell? And because he's got some goal scoring prowess, obviously in the past, but 14 goals uh, regularly, so you you feel a certain level of trust. Now, is this something I want to see in the playoffs? You know, when we're talking about another mm-hmm. acquisition, he's the one that's most likely to go down. But guess what happens in the playoffs? Injuries, yeah. right? Like, they're going to resurface. And the fact that you have a level of trust that this guy can go in into this spot, and it's not always going to look like last night and, and, and getting a uh, getting a hat trick, but like he's in the right spots. It, 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 it doesn't look like it's overly fluky for him to get to, you know, 12 goals. No, and I mean, I don't view him as being a 25-plus guy, but mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that can give you 15, 16 goals in a season and perhaps give you 20 goals in a given year, and perhaps this is a year where, where that's kind of happening here. And we have a lot of reaction on our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. Uh, the list of players that are not living up to their contracts, there's a very short list, this person says, and Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, and Myers, and ultimately $6 million for Myers, no matter how good he's been. Well, yeah, we talk about that's not value, but when you're getting so many other players performing at such a high level and and really exceeding the value they have on paper in terms of their cap hit, you make up for whatever it is you're not getting. Certainly. 
And again, like the, the handful of guys that we just mentioned, like if you just kind of did a cursory glance at it, like we're talking about a $12 million player potentially in Elias Pettersson. Well, that's like four and change already. JT Miller probably providing you $10, $11 million value with the point production. There's another couple of million. Then you look at Quinn Hughes. How much is he providing? Demko. You, you start stacking it up, and there, there might actually be, you know, $20 million of, of surplus value. So if, you know, Myers, who's playing really well, by the way, He's having yes, a season. Yeah. It's not $6 million. But he's playing but well. Yeah. He's playing really well. He's so giving the team real value. You're looking at, okay, it's probably like a, especially a right-handed D-man, probably looking at like a $4 million D-man there. And so it's, you do the whole exercise. And yeah, you know, for, for me, it's, it's probably more Kuzmenko and, and Myers rather than someone sexing in uh, Kuzmenko of Myers. Yeah. Because uh, Mikheyev is like still coming back and I'm really excited what the second half of the season looks like. The PK usage is, is arrowing up as well. And it, once that starts happening, uh, it's it's really exciting what can happen for uh, Ilya McKayev, and certainly if they're going to do this Patterson and McKayev duo for a stretch of time here, that that production will tick back up. Well, and you want to see it from McKayev, and that's something the coach was asked about too, and he kind of referenced Niels Hoaglander and how he's been so aggressive on the forecheck, mm-hmm. play a bit more direct. There's another guy. Yeah, but but also play closer together is mm-hmm. something that he mentioned, because I do think there's a better player in McKayev than what we've seen recently, and we saw it, I thought he played really well last year before he got hurt, and when he came back from his injury, perhaps some of the adrenaline, I mean, he played really well. He We, didn't, we right. talked about how it didn't look like he's missed a lot of time. He had like 11 points in the first 12, 13 games, fit in with Pedersen really well. So I think there's obviously a really talented player there. I don't think he's going to be this big-time scorer for this team or anything, but he can give you something like 20 goals, get you 40 points, 50 points, along something along those lines, and then forecheck really well, be good defensively, and play strong on the PK. It's just when he's not scoring and when he's not impacting the game with his pace the way he can, I can understand people wondering, mm-hmm. you know, what is going on in this game, but he's not a guy costing you. Like one of the, as, as much as, yes, Kuzmenko is a more talented player, and yes, Kuzmenko has been getting a lot of tough love, he doesn't make the types of mistakes Kuzmenko makes in terms of the staples being the right spot, you know, not, not, not picking yeah. up his guy, back checking, giving back pressure, you know, forechecking even. Like, it's, like he does a lot of the things. He just hasn't been as successful in creating productive. And I think his pace hasn't quite been flashed as much as it needs to be flashed. But when, we, when, we, when, we, when people ask why is this guy not getting the same treatment as Kuzmenko, it's because, well, he's not having the same issues as that player. And again, the, that 11-game stretch here recently where he ends up getting three points. It's depleted, obviously, his points per game rate. But before that, before getting moved away from Elias Pettersson, it was above his career high. Now he's clipping at about 0.52 points per game. Last year was 0.61 through the injury, no less, as well last year. So once he gets up to full speed again and you get a regular usage there with Elias Pettersson, his best role is still the third guy on the line. That's why there's this demand for a top six guy, to a natural winger to go play with Elias Pettersson. And then if if you put Mikheyev in that third spot on a line with Elias Pettersson, I really think you'd see a guy thrive. And suddenly the point production might skyrocket for him because if there is someone on that line that's burying chances, who's the one that's got to start it all? A, a lot of it is going to be initiated by it, by Mikheyev on puck retrievals and, yeah. and, and working with Elias Pettersson on the forecheck. It's not always going to be assists, but I, I think you'll see a significantly better player once that that true top six guy goes there. Well, and, you know, this, the conversation always seems to come back to trades, right? Because yeah. you mentioned running mate for Elias Pettersson. Is it going to be Andre Kuzmenko? And, I mean, Kuzmenko did get a chance in overtime. It wasn't like the coach, you know, stapled his, his butt to the bench. He was a lot mm-hmm. tougher on Nikita Zadorov last, last night, for instance. But are, are we anywhere near considering that Kuzmenko could be the same um, 
can can rekindle that magic with Pedersen again that he could be the solution, or have we already assumed that it has to be someone from from the outside coming? Okay, in? I'll I'll do this. The positive from last night, okay, for Andre Kuzmenko was the eight shot attempts. Yeah. Okay, that's the positive. You're going to be playing on that spot. You better shoot the puck. Bare minimum. Yeah. And I was just looking at this today too. Just five on five uh, shot attempts for the Canucks. You go through this, you know, per game, per 60, however you want to look at it. But, like, Connor Garland leads the way. Ilya Mikheyev is, is fairly high up the list, too. Brock Besser is third. Anthony Beauvillier, from his time here, still higher the, uh, uh, shot attempts than Andre Kuzmenko. And He's played 20 fewer games as a Canuck yeah. and has more shot attempts. Per 60, and certainly per game as well. Um, but... We just mentioned Garland, Mikheyev, Besser. So Garland, Mikheyev don't play. Uh, aren't your primary goal scorers on your top line? Garland is like probably their. I mean, they admit to being a third line. Yeah, and so if you get one more guy who's willing to constantly shoot, getting fed by Elias Pettersson. By the way, I didn't even mention Elias Pettersson. Mm-hmm. So on that line, Mikheyev shoots more per game per sixty than Elias Pettersson because you're doing so much of the playmaking element. If there's one other person to draw some attention away from Leas Pedersen, what does that mean for there too? So right. the, the encouraging thing from last night for, for Kuzmenko, it wasn't all five on five, but nevertheless, you know, he, he had so many shot attempts. He, but, he did. But, but th- there were turnovers. There were. And, I mean, and even on the overtime play, and the coach you know, was asked today, and he spoke about Pedersen in overtime and the turnovers and everything, but he also even said uh, – Kuzmenko on that entry wasn't where he needed to be in terms of support. So even though Pedersen was at fault, the coach made it pretty clear that, hey, there were other guys out there, and number 96, Andre Kuzmenko, again, was kind of critiqued for not doing certain things well. And that's why I, I'm, I'm just not convinced that they're going to think it's going to work yeah. here. You know what I mean? And that's why we don't keep looking at other guys from somewhere else because uh, we've got past the point where it's early in the season. We're blowing by the midway point. Like we're we're going to be at the All Star break coming up after Saturday, you know. Like we're, we're, the Canucks are, are game forty nine is next. Like we're, we're we're turning the corner here. The final third of the season is very fast approaching. So if you're not if you don't think it's going to work, you have to make some additions and find somebody to be a true running mate for that line. Because uh, I think you, as much as the lotto line can be something for you, you need something else in your second line. And if you're not going to have Matt Pedersen play with Miller all the time, then who's going to be his running mate? And that's going to be one of the big questions they have to figure out. Uh, 650, 650. This one's coming in. Uh, will his speed ever return? People are asking about your ACL surgery. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Well, my, my ACL surgery didn't go as well as it needed to go. I have a bad meniscus as well. Lateral meniscus is missing. Yeah. But long story short, <laughs> uh, my surgery didn't go quite as well. Um, I do not trust my knee still. Um, but as far as McKay is concerned, he's approaching the one-year mark. Yeah. And this is where you usually start seeing that game come back. But honestly, like the way I'm viewing it is he spent the entire offseason trying to get back into shape. To me, you're not going to see the peak version of Mikheyev until next season after an offseason put real training in. But I do think we could see the best version of it's, him down the stretch it's, here. It's progress, right? Yeah. It's, it's incremental progress. But it's so hard to like progress and get yes. better through the course of a season. You, you can't force it. No. You, you really just can't force it. And as this goes here, you, 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 I do think you'll see the better physically the better version of, of him these last three months of the season and yeah. into the playoffs. Well, and here, and the funny thing is, like, for, for all... And I understand, because the Canucks are having success this season. Everybody's working hard, and they're playing well defensively. So now people look at, okay, overall production. And it's true. But 
when I see people like uh, Charles and Langley, he's like, what does he bring other than speed? I'm not sure I see it. And tr- same thing in Toronto. Uh, he had speed and breakaways, but didn't have the hands. Like his profile, the player of his size, his speed, forging ability, defensive acumen, ability to play on the PK, and be that F1 that can play with top six players, like, that's not an easy thing to find. You know what I mean? So I do think for all the talk about, oh, what does he bring? He may only score 20 goals. A guy who can do what he can do, score 20 goals, bring the speed and the pace that he can at his best, like it's hard to find those players. Like we, we, talk, we joke about like finding a better version of PDG. Well, that's Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, for all the talk about PDG, I mean, Mikheyev's still on pace for almost 20 goals on the season, almost 40 points on the season. Hasn't been great lately, but here's the reality of guys that score 40 points and, and score 20 games. They're going to have 40, 50 games where they don't score anything. They're going to have 50, 60 games, over over 60 games, because usually you get one or two goal games. You have a couple one or two goal games. So you're going to have a lot of droughts for guys that are 20 goal scorers, and that's something to keep in mind. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650, 650. Dunbar Lumber, and uh, we'll continue the conversation. I do want to bring up with you here, before we get out, what's going on with the LA Kings? Oh, boy. I mean... We uh, touched on it briefly last night. Briefly. Some of those quotes. Some of those quotes were fantastic. Very briefly, we touched on it. But it's getting to a point where the coach is sniping at guys. Players are calling one another selfish. There was something like this a little bit with the Colorado Avalanche mm-hmm. uh, with um, Rantanen calling out a couple of guys and, and uh, one of the veterans mentioning that guys are out for stats and they have to start doing that and everything. So they had a similar thing going on. And they turned it around in a big way, obviously. They did. So it's, it's not to say that, hey, it's broken and it can't turn around. But that's a team that's won a Stanley Cup. That's a, that's a team full of characters that have had a lot of success. This is not a team that's had a lot of success. Dowdy and, and Kopitar yeah. have won Stanley Cups, but a long time ago. You know, like, Dano wasn't there when that happened. I mean, most of the roster wasn't there and, when and that happened. And more importantly, it's, it's like, I think Kopitar's been fantastic until recently. Maybe it looks like he's dealing with something. But but Doughty, like, these are the guys that are trying to uphold the standards, right? That are It's, it's Drew Doughty calling guys out last night. It's not uh, Trevor Moore, like, who's someone who's gone through it. It's the guys who have won the titles there that are calling it out. Well, and the guy who's been taking a lot of criticism is Pierre-Luc Dubois. And did you not just think of Pierre-Luc Dubois when... Doughty had his quote? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Whether that's fair or not, yeah. that's the first guy that comes to mind. Got but paid it, a lot it, of money, scored a goal finally that game. It's not as if he's putting up points, though. No. He's got 20 points in 45 games. Is he the one that's looking for points? Who's leading them in points? Is it Kevin Fiala? Should we just start uh, rumor mongering for all the players? <laughs> that, who, who, is, who, are the, who is he talking about? Mind you, he's a dash 14 as well, so maybe that is the, not playing the right way. Well, and, that's uh, a cheating. It's, yeah. I, I think, you know, we talked about this with the Canucks too last year where, you know, and this is something that Yannick's spoken about and Brett Festerling's brought this point up as well, that if you get to a point where the team's success isn't happening and things aren't going the way you want it to go, well, you got to look out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And how do you look out for yourself? Produce. So then you start looking for moments where you can take advantage. You're maybe cheating. You're make, making some selfish decisions. Maybe you're staying out a bit extra on your shift. And that's how the team game really deteriorates and falls apart. And honestly, when I watched the Kings, I, I didn't watch the full game last night because we know we're working so late. I watched some of the highlights. I don't get the sense that they're like playing this really bad hockey. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they make some mistakes along the way and then can't score. So, I mean, how much of what's going on is really like, hey, this is a really bad hockey team falling apart or, like, things just not going their way right now? They'll, they'll probably correct it in the next couple of months here, obviously. But one of my concerns for them, not just like, hey, like, you go make the trade for Dubois, is it, it felt like they really attacked their depth to do it. Mm-hmm. And out goes 
Velarde, out goes I follow, out goes Kupari. And like one of my worries, I just I thought they invited more volatility to their season because these last two years they've been so consistent. They're the team like a, a lot of teams wanted to model, yeah. And they've gotten their Pacific Division seeds, and they, they've been ousted, obviously. But I, I just thought that they they make this ambitious move, and I, I you know, the range of outcomes to me opened up wider. Their ceiling might be higher, but the the bottom could drop out a lot faster that I didn't think could happen in the last two seasons. And now we're kind of seeing it right now that these last, you know, 17 games, 20 games hasn't gone as well for them. No, it really hasn't. And the question is, what's next for that team? Is it a trade or is it the obvious easy thing to do? And that's change the head coach. That's usually what they end yeah. up doing in these situations. I just don't know how many more bullets they have to play. Mm-hmm. They, they use a lot last year. They use a lot this offseason, making the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, but also clearing out some cap space and, and ensuring they had the space to sign uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, who they gave up assets to get last year. So it's a team that spent a lot of their assets already. And it's not as simple as just go out there and make a big trade. Is this the team they have to just deal with for now? And we can talk about goaltending. That's one of the areas they need to improve. Yeah. That hasn't been the issue for them. No. Uh, and we got somebody asking, what's the quote? It was Dowdy saying, we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points. And then even furthermore, uh, you know, head coach Todd McClellan, uh, after they lost to the Sabres yesterday, said uh, that stupidity that went into this loss is beyond explanation. So they, they really got called out. Yeah, they know they really did. And uh, I, don't, I wasn't too surprised to see it. All right. Uh, we're at the Dyson Ice Gala 2024 here as Canucks players make it over. And we have the captain of the team now joining us, going to the All-Star game as well. He is Quinn Hughes. And it's a great event. You can also check it out online as well. Dyson Ice Canucks for Kids Fund. Uh, Quinn, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, How are you? Thanks for having me. All good. Uh, always a pleasure. And I mean, this is always one of the fun events. I mean, I know previous years it hasn't gone well, but it's been a fun event to get along and, and see, you know, the outreach to the community. Do you always look forward to coming out here? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it hasn't always been easy this late in the year when we're not doing as well, but um, it's always a great event. Just uh, everything that this event means to the Canucks for Kids Foundation and the money that we raise here on this night and then see the smiles on um, you know the people in the community that we can help so it's obviously a special night but you know um, with uh, how well the season's going a little bit more of an emphasis on um, maybe having more fun tonight. Uh, does does this event take a different perspective for you this year now that you're the captain and, and, and being the face of, of, of so many of these charity uh, charitable initiatives? Um Maybe a little bit. I, I mean, I think I have one more speech this year than I did last year. But um, besides that, uh, not too much. But, of course, being the captain, you know, I want to have an impact within the community. And, um, you know, I'll continue to do that for as long as I'm here. Well, you mentioned, obviously, the success this year. And it coincides with you being captain. And so many things going, going uh, well for you guys uh, in addition to that, of course. But in terms of how you can now approach just the comfort of being in that spot like it doesn't almost make it easier to transition to being a captain we have the success as well yeah of course I mean it's always easier when you're winning um you know I think our challenges are just going to be to continue to try to get better every single day and push ourselves and never be satisfied I think our team's done a great job at that I mean we're first in the league um we've you know one had eight or nine games in a row with points you know last night we're down three one we could have you know, not had that spurt of that push, and, you know, no one was satisfied and, you know, wanted to get two points, not only one, and um, I think that's just what's making us really successful. Are there moments this season when you reflect on things that have happened in previous seasons, be like, all oh, right, this is how it's different, this is why it's working this year? No, not specifically. I mean, I think we're just focused on the day-to-day aspect of things and what makes us successful. Um, you know, each game, I think I haven't thought about last year or the years before in a long time. 
Um, yeah. Well, and it's ter in terms of like how you guys are playing, and it seems like as the season's gone on, you guys have gotten better. Now, obviously, some ups and downs through games and everything like that, but in terms of how you're creating scoring chances now, in terms of how you're shutting games down, it feels like your, your, your group is evolving as time goes on, and you guys aren't done evolving yet either, it seems. No, I think we're becoming more of a mature group, obviously. I think the, I don't know exactly what the stat is, but leading after two, like 26-0-1 or something. and um, It's higher now. It's, it's uh, 29 0 2 Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> Even better. Um, and I just think we're learning how to you know, win games, close out games, play as a team, um, understand what makes us successful individually and as a team, and um, you know, having everyone you know, contribute. We always talk about pairings when it comes to like forwards and the line and how they, you know, like the chemistry there. You and Philip Ronick, uh, what, what what's made it click so well and and brought something out of your game? Yeah, too? I mean, he's just got a good skill and um, been able to uh, read off each other pretty well. And our decor is really solid right now. We have you know seven guys that are you know very very talented, especially when Susie's um, healthy. And you know, I think it was two games ago played with Myers, and I thought we were you know, really, really good together too. So we got um, a bunch of different combinations, but of course you've seen me and Phil more and uh, we've been really good and just got to continue to be, you know, playing at a high level. Uh, obviously you put a lot of work in the off season to get better and everything, the shot's very obvious and the team got better and a lot of things going your way. But at the same time, is there a different level you can reach when you have more trust in what's going on around you? Not just your teammates, but you feel like, okay, like I can be covered. I can take this chance, but also I know what I can do in this situation. Yeah, you for have sure. Trust? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone knows what's required and, you know, where they're supposed to be. And, um, you know, in previous years, worried about pinching, not, you know, sure, you know, what's going to be behind you. And um, I think our forwards have done a tremendous job buying in this year along with the D and playing a game plan where, Everyone's connected and used in a five, and um, it's made us successful. A few weeks ago, uh, Rick Talk had mentioned, you know, getting ready for the ramp up of the season. Uh, what, what does that look like in these past couple of weeks? And is there messaging of what to prepare for uh, post deadline and everything? Uh, no, I don't. I think everyone's just been trying to play as good as hockey as we can up until the break, um, get our feet up, enjoy the break a bit, and then I'm sure there'll be more talks about that as we come back, really dialing in here for the last 33 games or whatever it is. When you put all that work in this offseason, not just on your shot, but like how to get the shot off and how to attack, did you envision it going the way it's gone so far this year? I think I had the capability to, you know, score more goals. Even, you know, I, I still feel like I have the capability to score more. I've missed a lot of chances this year. Um, you know, but in the long scheme of things, I'm going to have some that go in for me, some that don't. But I think that it's obviously been you know, good season individually and from a team perspective, probably couldn't ask for better. Be first in the league right now. Um, yeah, it's special. And, but um, like I said earlier, what makes this team really good, I think, is that we're never satisfied. So we just got to keep going. Uh, what's the banter like getting ready for the uh, skills competition and the, and the all-star festivities uh, between the five of you? I don't think we've talked about it at all. No. Not even once. I just think everyone's looking forward to finishing up the last couple of games here, the break, and then I'm sure as we get closer, we'll talk about it. Uh, you guys are just iron focused now, right? Just like on the next game and, and taking care of business. And, and you know, we joke about that, but it kind of is what it takes, doesn't it, over a long season to kind of have that hyper focus to be successful? Yeah, I just, yeah, for sure. I just think we haven't had the. Um, you know, we haven't been a good enough team over the course of years to kind of let our hair down at any point in the season. We always got to keep pushing and we're growing our game and uh, maturing as a group. So, um, 
yeah, we just, you know, all I can tell you guys, it's boring and um, <laughs> whatnot, but that's kind of what the message is and the mindset is in the room. Is there some excitement through that boredom because of, like, of, of the, the success you guys are having that, hey, like, this works, and every time you can reapply the, the lessons I imagine you're I just, I don't know. I think I just think it's fun winning, probably. Right. So that's where you get the excitement and fun and thrill is, you know, winning and putting these wins together. Uh, I have one nerdy question I want to ask you, and it's about uh, sometimes when you get your point shot off and you wait for the perfect moment for a screen to come across. Like, do you? Is that something you look for to kind of get the alignment? And as soon as you kind of see the, a couple layers of screens, you get that shot up at that point because I don't think it's a coincidence that there are shots when the point are going in this year. It's not just throwing it on net. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, there's obviously times I get shots blocked and whatnot, but um, the more I can kind of put it in an area where guys can tip it or put in a spot where they can get a rebound and get a chance to score. That's what I'm trying to do and just create more chances to score and opportunities. And our forwards have done a really good job getting in the net. I mean, every line has layers and gets there and um, they're hungry to score. Final one, Noah Juleson. Uh, what does it say when a guy who's gone through what he's gone through but continually gets better and when he gets into the lineup, he's like a like a real big help for you guys? Yeah, he's incredibly solid. I mean, he doesn't make any mistakes ever. Um knows what he is, competes, moves the puck, talks, brings good energy, is a great teammate. And, you know, the reality of the situation is we have seven really good defensemen, eight really good defensemen, and, um, you know, Jules went out there for a couple games, but I was telling the media a couple days ago, I don't think he had been scored on for five games previous to that. So he was playing, you know, unbelievable hockey, and it just is is what it is. And then, unfortunately, Seuss went out, but um, with the way Jules has been playing and how good of a player he is, you know, um, he just fits in, and you saw it last night. Quinn, thanks so much for your time, man. I always appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. You got it. That is Canucks captain Quinn Hughes, and we'll continue here on Canucks Central next, coming to you live from Hotel Vancouver, Fairmont. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canucks Central, coming to you live from the Hotel Vancouver Fairmont, the Canucks Dice and Ice event. You can check it out online as well. There's an online auction. It's Satyar Shaw, Vic Nazar, and joined tableside by JT Miller. And JT, always a pleasure having you on the show, man. And uh, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. Uh, thanks for having me back. And uh, always good to be back to the Dice and Ice. Um, you know, a pretty proud event to be a part of this uh, every year we've been here. Five years now you get to do this and, uh, you know, see how it evolves. Uh, you, you've clearly you know, been grown with the organization and, and you see the impact that the team has in the community. What's it mean to you guys? Well, it means a lot. You know, um, you know, personally from, you know, my wife and I, we, lo- we love to get involved with um, organizations like these and to see how much pride that the city takes, um, you know, for C- Canucks and Kid and the Autism Networks and, ev- and everything they do is, it's, um, it's fascinating. It, it means it's, you know, it's more than hockey and it's a community and, um, you know, it's just, it's proud to be a, a part of uh, something like this. Well, you've obviously committed to Vancouver for the long term as well, been here for, for five years, like Big mentioned, and you and your family very ingrained, but also like, it seems like you take real pride in the market and helping out and giving back. And I know, you know, you joked at times last year, people may think you are a certain way, but you know, maybe misunderstood a little bit, but how much pride do you actually take in, in, in really helping out the community you live in? Well, I just think it's important to realize, uh, you know, realize where you come from and, you know, realize that, like I just alluded to, it's it's bigger than hockey. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot less fortunate situations, and I'm, we love the opportunity to, to give back and, um, and help out in any way we can. And um, the amount of platforms that we have here and the support we have 
is you know it's the best I've seen. So we're very very lucky. Uh, you mentioned though the work your family does with the foundation, your own foundation. Like, what have you learned with all the community interaction here in the city and now through five years and and, and what's to come as well? Well, I just feel like you know every little thing can go a long way for for these families and. Um, you know, my wife Natalie does such an unreal job with helping out in that regard, and and obviously when I can, you know, I like to join her in doing so. And and um, you know, every little you know time you can spend with them or donation here and there, whatever you can do, it really goes a long way for them, and we we take uh, a lot of pride in that. Well, you know, fans and stuff see the players and stuff being here, but the stuff your spouses do, like how much work happens behind the scenes when it comes to the wives, the girlfriends, giving everything they can. Yeah, it's a lot, right? And, and you know, I, like I said, we have so many opportunities here in Vancouver with the organizations that we're a part of, to um, you know, to give back. And um, like I said, I, I can, you know, I know the wives always are getting together to do something. And um, you know, my wife Natalie does an unbelievable job in spending her time um, working with the charities or foundations. And I know she sits on a handful of boards, and it's uh, you know, it's a real passion for us, and I know especially for her. Uh, so total team commitment behind the scenes uh, on the ice, total team commitment. Uh, what, what, what's like the thing that stands out for you the most of, of what's transitioned from last year to this year? Well, it's a lot different. I think it was a fresh start. And it's not even last year. I think it's just kind of last year when Rick got here. It's um, like we, we felt like it was a fresh start, you know, a lot of distraction and turmoil and moving parts. And um, it felt like when they got here, everybody could just take a deep breath, and you know there was you know everybody's in the rumor mill, and everybody's this and that, and everybody's going to get fired. But it's it really is a distraction. So I think everybody's level-headed and clear-headed, and um, you know that being said, I think we've come a long way as a group. You know we put in the work, and everybody's a little older and more mature now, and I think we're understanding what it takes to be a winning team, and obviously the results have shown to this point. But that being said, we're really concerned on not being satisfied with where we're at, and understanding it's just going to get harder. We were just talking to Quinn, and he echoed a lot of the same sentiments about not even thinking about the All-Star game, not thinking about anything, just literally thinking about the next game and making sure you guys do what you got to do. Is there almost like this infectiousness and this, like, is it contagious doing the right thing and then seeing success and then being focused and doing that day in and day out? Yeah, no question. You know, I know that, you know, a part of being a leader is me being consistent at that as much as I can, playing the right way. But that being said, you know, I see guys like, uh, you know, Amon and Hoglander and Lafferty's line right now. I mean, it's contagious in a sense where, you know, they make me want to run a hole through a wall when I see the way they're playing. And, and it's, uh, and I think our team has got that killer instinct right now of when they see other guys do it, we all want to do it. And we're trying to get that pack mentality. And I think that, like I said, I mean, we're, there's, uh, we're, we're creating less and less panic around the game when things are going our way. And obviously that takes time. You mentioned the fresh start. Is there something in the summer that you know you all get this chance to reset and you go through a first training camp with the new coach? Is there something that stands out to you that's like, okay, this is something that clicked that you can reflect back on now? Yeah, I mean, like we, you know, I understand. I, you know, I think that we had to, we had to put in more work and come together as a team. Like we wanted to come together as a team more than ever. And I think that you know, talking with the other leaders, uh, the leadership group on the team, and saying, hey, like we got to get here earlier and we got to be here as a group and the amount of commitment from the guys was awesome like um you know early september there was you know 40 guys like guys that weren't even on the roster you know everybody's showing up and competing it just makes for a competitive camp and um, when you have you see the buy-in from an organization standpoint you know it means a lot you know i understand being young and wanting long summers and you want to stay at home and you want to be with your friends but you get to a point to where you want to you know change the uh outcome of your season and um, be playing in April, May, and June. That's that's the whole goal, right? So I think the little, the easiest thing you could do is put the work in in the summer. It really is mm-hmm. the easy thing is work hard and then come into camp in good shape and 
come together as a team, and I thought we had a great start to the season. Well, you mentioned uh, the leaders, yourself and the other guys, doing the right things consistently. And, and you see guys feed off of that, and, and guys really look up to you guys. Do you kind of feel a growing responsibility when that happens, when, when people look to you guys and they want to get assurance or they want to get that kind of boost, and you guys are providing that? Does this give you a greater sense of responsibility? I just think that comes with time. Um, you know, I, I recognize that um, I'm in a position where I need to be, you know, more times than not, you know, almost all the time, you know, be doing the right things. And, you know, you can say whatever you want, but it's all about, you know, kind of you know, putting your money where your mouth is and you, you got to play. You know, we, we evaluate ourselves and our teammates on a daily basis when you watch the games and you know how where everybody's at. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in doing the right things, you know, nine out of ten times or eight out of ten times. And, you know, we have a lot of guys buying into that mentality right now and um, we're all pulling on the same rope and when we do that we're a hard team to stop uh, from a statistical point of view your, your production's been incredible this year similar to so many years in the past too. I, I think you've only gone one stretch of two games where you haven't put up a point is, is something different for you this year or, and, and why that is or honestly I don't think it's a whole lot different other than we're winning a lot of hockey games I mean you're seeing a ton of mm-hmm. we're scoring a lot of goals as a team mm-hmm. um, Thatcher's playing great uh, we're making teams make uncharacteristic you know, mistakes because of the amount of pressure we're applying. So then we get more offense out of it. And um, I, I just think it's the winning. The winning makes everybody look good. I mean, there's no surprise that the first year that we have this start here in a long yeah. time, and you have what five guys going. All, like it's, they're all, it's all connected. And you know, I'm happy for Rick that he gets to go as well because he's him and his staff have been unbelievable for this group. And um, we're just pushing each other every day. And you know, we're trying not to be distracted. This day-to-day mantra thing, it's boring for you guys and the listeners, I'm sure, but it really has helped us kind of stay humbled and stay in our lane, and we were excited to play another game Saturday, and we'll just go from there. Just really quick, just like I, I've heard from some fans that are like, it, it might sound boring, but there, there's a lot of people that are like, wow, this, this team flips so much. Mm-hmm. And like even fans that I've, I've spoken to, and people that are like, it's actually pretty amazing that it's able to do that. And people are just like, I want to see if I can do that in my life or something like that. It's, 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 it sounds boring, but it's like it's, it's really effective. Yeah, well, that's great because, you know, I, I love the passion the city has. And even when it was bad, I, mm. I understand that. You know, I played in Manhattan and a lot of – a lot of kids that grew yeah. up at five years old, like running around to the rink at Menace Square Garden, and you yeah. know, I get the passionate fan base, and I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way, and you know, I'm glad that we can kind of come together as a city, I guess. Well, and, and as far as uh, you know, I've and one of the things we, we joked a lot about here is like I don't think people realize like how how good you've been in Vancouver and how productive you've been, and and how rare a player type that you are right now. And I brought the stat up. There's only one other center that's played in the cap era that's had multiple seasons of 100. Uh, point per game over 100 hits is six one or taller, 200 pounds or heavier. The only other guy than you to do that is Ryan Getzlaff, right? So he loves bringing this. Up. I love this yeah. stat because I just yeah. think it's he's one of those things. Yeah, he's not bad, not bad. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where you got this incredible level of skill that goes alongside of you know the physicality. How do you hone in on that skill? Like, what do you do in the offseason to ensure that you can play at such a high level skill wise? I'm going to be honest. I think it's something. And this might sound crazy. I should work on a little more. Like, I, I, I really just for me, it's, it's. When my legs are moving, everything else takes care of itself. So all my work of the summer is to make sure that it becomes more effortless for, you know, I'm going to be 31 in a couple of months, you know, mm-hmm. you're coming up on 800 games. Like, it's not the same as when I was younger. Like, it takes a lot of hard work to get my legs moving into games. And, you know, as a bigger frame, it's not like I'm 190 pounds where I could just start turning them, right? Like, that's where all my prep comes. So I just think when my legs are moving and I'm physically in the game, that's ironically where all my skill kinds of take over. And I think I buy myself some space and a little bit of respect with my size and speed and then uh, make myself uh, give myself some room to make plays sometimes. You mentioned playing in MSG in your first year here. It was normal conditions and you could see the buds. The team was winning and then there's like three seasons there where it's different. 
do you appreciate what this season has been more similar to the first season here? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's um, it's different teams, but um, it has that same feeling. We were, you know, we were, we were playing not to this level of, uh, you know, in sense of the record, but we were playing really well that year too. And then uh, when obviously, you know, COVID came, everything kind of changed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was a fun season to be a part of. It. I was like really, I mean, I know that they haven't had too many winning seasons, you know, prior to that season as well. So it, to see the buzz around the city, I could, you could tell the city is so hungry for playoffs and being around that atmosphere again and like we've done a good job of not talking about it but at the end of the day our goal is to you know win the Stanley Cup and be competing against the best teams in the league in the playoffs and uh you know especially for an older guy like me that that's where my drive comes from and you know I just think it's going to take a lot of this group hasn't played in a real playoff game and um once they taste it I think it's just going to be a you know like a desperate thing from there on in and the city's bonkers when that happens it's yeah. been a long time so we look forward to it uh jt you're always gracious with your time thanks man yeah appreciate it guys all right have Take fun care. tonight uh, that is jt miller joining us table side at the dyson ice gallery here at hotel vancouver fairmont uh great stuff from jt miller and you know in terms of that you know playoff action we haven't seen that in vancouver we know nine years it's been nine years can you believe that nine years since, since the last game. home playoff yeah. game it's been a while I see that text. I see it. People are bringing up that you brought up the stat. I'm just saying, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> no, it's good. That's what I'm saying. Hey, it's, it's rare. I, it's I, I, wish rare people, I wish people would have seen the smirk. Did you see the look yeah. on it? He was, he was surprised. But what I wanted to get to is like. And also, the, people were, were texting about my question to Quinn, too. And uh, about the excitement in, in, in that, you know. The boredom, yes. Of, yes. Oh, the boredom. You should have seen the, like the, the eyes light up. I'm like, yeah. It's 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 an appreciation for their discipline, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, to me too, like I think it's one of the big things with JT is it's not just that he's a big physical player; it's that his skill level is insane. Like the, mm-hmm. the goals this year, remember the, the, the play made off Colorado the, the, uh, when he put yeah. the uh, puck off his yeah. skate, and the maybe it's like the Pavel Burry at full speed and driving or a guy the, in. Uh, the, the the play against uh, the Rangers, Andre Miller. Yeah, just like his arm goes across, up, and it's yeah. like Andre Miller's six five. Yeah. He's a large He's a dude, big man, and he just like an arm just went out and down went Miller. Yeah, down Keandre. went Miller. Keandre. Keandre. Down, Keandre. down goes Keandre. Yeah. yeah, that's what it sounded like it's at the very least. Sounded like Howard Cosell there in that. <laughs> down goes Keandre. <laughs> Terrible Howard Cosell impression. Uh, it's not. I can't do it from person. The big, big not the but reaches no, the guy. Yeah, yeah, reaches reaches the, guy. The, the guy. Reaches the guy. But uh, yeah, well, reaches like a parrot that way. Just like he just hears it a couple really, times. He does a good talk it as well. Goes, I try to yeah. get him to do a talk it online on air. He does a really good talk. Really? Yeah, he I've does. I've heard that one. Yeah, right. I've heard it in studio. He's uh, Josh is nodding. He does a good talk. It. Uh, I kind of do one too, but it's it's more follicle than yeah. Vocal. You're. you're <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something. I was leaving it at that. Um, but all right, uh, a lot of text coming in six fifty six fifty. But I mean, in terms of the the same, it's it's funny because they both said a lot of similar things, JT and Quinn, and it's kind of boring in terms of day to day. But it's kind of like that's what you need to do. Like focus. Kind of takes you di- not considering like a hundred different variables and just focusing on the one thing you got to do today. Yeah, you can't be thinking about the future as much. And, and the thing too is it's not just like oh, it's it's what they're saying and, and why it's working. It's the messaging from the coaching staff. And this is what we talk about, like that, like that to me is what buying looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going through a wall and 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 sealing the boards and and making this play. Like, of course, that's buying too. But it's. It has to live outside the 60 minutes that you're on the ice for, too. And it's, it's the constant discipline to make that buy-in work. That is such a hard thing to achieve for a coaching staff. And you've heard me say this. It's I'll take an imperfect plan with perfect buy-in over a perfect plan with no buy-in. Well, that's something like, you know, we joked a lot about Pete Carroll in his time. Like, you know, but he got buy-in. If you get Constantly. buy-in, you're going to have success. Constantly. You know, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. 
and in, in general, um, that's that like that's what a coach is supposed to do. Yeah. And when the players are speaking the same language, and like I, I'm fairly stunned. Like Swin, that Quinn spoke about. Um, you know, we're not focused about the All Star Game. Yeah, and haven't, I say, haven't even thought about it. There's one game to go, and yeah. All Star Game is pretty soon here. Haven't thought, talked about it's it. It's just like you know, it's not really a focus for us. Yeah, and you know, a, a big part of their success has been that focus they've had so far this season. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. I'm getting dragged. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> keep them coming in. We'll have a lot of fun. Uh, we'll we'll see who else we can talk to from the Canucks. Perhaps the head coach, some other Canucks players hanging around here as well as we come to you live from Hotel Vancouver Fairmont at the Dyson Ice event. You can check it out. The Canucks for Kids Fund 2024 Dyson Ice online auction as well. And this is Canuck Central in this hour, brought to you by Enzyme Pacific Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. It's Satin Big. We'll be back for more on, on the other side on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canuck Central, coming to you live from Hotel Vancouver Fairmont. It is the Canucks Dyson Ice Gala. You can check it out online. Canucks for Kids Fund 2024 Dyson Ice for the online auction as well. It's sat with Bick and we're joined tableside by Canucks forward Connor Garland. And Connor, uh, thanks for joining us here at tableside. And, you know, we chatted with Quinn, we chatted with JT a bit earlier. And, uh, you know, you've been here a few years now. You've been at these events. Uh, is it a bit easier to come out to these things and, and feel good when the team is having the success it's having so far this year? Well, I think an event like this um, is obviously bigger than hockey, so it doesn't really, really matter. It's about um, you know giving back, and, and obviously uh, you know what people give tonight is is uh, is very generous, and uh, we're just happy to be a part of it. Um, it's obviously, I'm sure, people easier to come up to us and approach us when when you are doing well. But for us, this is this is a good night either way. When you get traded here and, and you sign the contract here and you, and you embrace being part of the franchise, this is part of the. the whole surroundings too what have you learned about the process through three seasons here about the the, the canucks attaching themselves to the community yeah definitely not something actually you probably think of when you're signing but uh, it's a big it's a big part of it um and uh, they do a great job you know people behind the scenes uh, that you know the players and staff know about that uh, maybe people don't know how how hard they work uh, all season to put this put this stuff together and then stuff that they do uh, just on guys one-on-one time stuff like that so uh, it's uh, it's fun being a part of it's obviously one of our favorite events um, we had another one last year I really enjoyed but this one's a big night for for us and, and our spouses get to come uh, and how important is it to you when you see how far these things can go and how to help individuals, families especially. Like, What does that mean to you when you see the impact this can have? Yeah, I think uh, towards the end, the end of the night when they, when they have that... Um you know donations going around and they're in their bidding like it's 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 crazy to watch and how generous the the community is and and what it does mean uh at the end of the day for for families and stuff uh you know i had my my sister was in the hospital after being born for a while uh for maybe five five months my mom was in there and there's that you realize what a community effort is it's a family and people sacrifice a lot just to uh be able to to help out in times of need and when people can donate like they do here it's uh it's uh it's touching as far as what's happening on the ice, uh, you know the, the term uh, Rick Tockett's used a lot is puzzle guys and, and, and guys fitting together. Nobody probably personifies that more than your line right now with Bluger and uh, Joshua. What have you learned about the process of, of, of putting that group together and, and why has it excelled so much? Well, I think um, you know we, we've bought in pretty pretty well to what Talk is preaching. 
and uh, we just stick to our system. We, we, we play hard. We play north. Think of the neutral zone. We're, we're a very fast line, very hard to defend when uh, pucks transition one way or the other. And then uh, when we get in, there's you know, obviously two big bodies with blues and Dak. And I just try to come in and, and get second pucks and, and try to make plays. So, it's uh, yeah, it works very well. Um, they're both terrific players, both defensive-minded players. First two PK guys on the ice each mm-hmm. time. So it's uh, it's been a good line so far. How much fun are you having playing hockey this year? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot when you win, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's easy to come to the rink. You know, even last night you lose in overtime, but... Uh, you know, we learn from it, and then we uh, and then we move on. Um, so, uh, you know, that's probably why we, we haven't had two losses in a row in a long time. We're we're focused, but uh, you know, we keep moving on to the next uh, next game. Quinn referenced last night too of like the, the fight to just keep going for it, and it, you know, the, the overtime happens, but there's that last minute goal, and it, it's it's different than what we've seen in the past too of that buy-in and that commitment the guys have this year. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, push, pushing towards the end there, having those three goals in the third. They got that one to make it 3-1. You know, maybe in years past we probably quit there or or uh, we don't fight back as, as hard as we do. As in, uh, you know, you kind of felt we were going to tie that game up. Now the way overtime's played, unfortunately, it's a coin flip. It's really whoever wins the first draw, and then, you know, it looks like one team gets each, each a chance, and you see what happens. So uh, it's tough, but, uh, you know, we could have scored there on a breakaway, and then uh, they come down. So, But, uh, you know, our last two losses have been in overtime, so can improve on that. But uh, besides that, I mean, we, we played a pretty solid game. Where does that resiliency come from? Is it from banking the success you've had so far this year? I think it's just trusting in our system. When we play well, we... We are a hard team to play against. You see it in the first period against the Leafs. You put up three quick goals because we play to our system. You get out of our system a little bit, and you know you're not as good. So when we when we kind of get our backs pushed up against the wall, we, we get right to our system, and uh, then we're probably a really hard team to beat. You can put some put some goals on with the offensive talent we have. That's that's a good combination. Does that trust get built in at like the start of training camp? What do you see? Like, okay, the systems make sense, or is it validated because of the early success of the season? It's a good question. Uh, well, we had those 33 games last year, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think um, conversations, you know, the older guys had, a lot of it was that we could see improvements. Um, I remember flying home on a plane with Millsy, and he was just saying what a difference it is. You can already see it, you know, 15, 20 games in, how, how we're playing, and you could see it. Maybe we didn't have the talent level that we do right now, but we, we had the pieces in place, and then training camp, and then obviously starting off 9-2 nine, nine and two or whatever it was, 11-2 and two, uh, obviously reiterates that, and, and you know, then it's then it's everybody has to buy in, and if you don't, then you're kind of an outcast. Do you feel when when you look at opponents, the tougher opponents, they kind of are similar to how you guys play with details? Is that the toughest types of teams to play against that that play that style? For, for sure, detail teams are always the hardest. Um, you know, when when uh, Sutter was in Calgary, that was always the hardest team to play against. Uh, LA is a very hard team to play against. Um, you know, Boston. There's always there's always teams you can say that mm-hmm. you know there's not a lot of gray area in their systems and they're, and they're hard to play against and they usually go deep in the playoffs. So um, it's 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 exciting to be a part of that team and and knowing that you know now it's now it's not we're looking at the schedule saying God we got to play this team coming up. It's a lot of times teams are saying you know we got to go to Vancouver now. So it's 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 uh, so far it's been a terrific start. Well, we see that a lot from the post game comments from coaches, opposing coaches and players. I'm like man, like that was one of the toughest games we've had all season that bad big badger autumn for you guys yeah i think uh when we played ottawa i had uh i took chicken out to out to dinner and that was when he said uh you know they had a couple games coming up and 
they said, I guess they were saying on the plane, like, oh, this is going to be a tough game against Vancouver. It, you know, kind of makes you chuckle because in years <laughs> past it hasn't been that case. Right. But now now it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, you know, again, it's still 50 games into the season. But, yeah, it's nice when you, you got to make the rink a hard place to come in and, and make the city a hard place to come in and play. You mentioned maybe in the past you look at some teams and you're like, man, I mean, we're going to have a tough game tonight. Are you almost relishing the tougher challenges now as a team? Yeah, yeah, obviously going into MSG for us, though those are exciting games. The Devils, I don't, well, all the top teams, you know, the, you know them all, and they're exciting games for us. They're, test, they're big testers for us now. Um, but, you know, there's some teams even you play that might not be high in the stands that, you know, might have just got off to a bad start, had a couple injuries. It's the NHL. There's really no easy There's easy win. I mean, Chicago was last in the league, and it was a 2 nothing game. They had a chance to, you know, pull their goalie. So you have to you have to play each night as, as you're playing a good team but yeah when you see when you see a division rival or a big team coming yeah those are exciting you guys go through that seven game road trip and then you come back home and you have this home stand here and break is coming up and you, you'll see a lot of home games this, this stretch how do you guys use that to your advantage as you trend towards the playoffs you got to get got to get your rest got to uh, be a pro um, playoffs is coming uh, we understand that you know we, you know we still got to get in but we uh, we've given ourselves a good opportunity here uh, but that yeah that eastern road trip probably took a lot out of us you know uh, th- those are tough travel days had a couple stalls in the travel and then you know playing a lot of teams back to back so those those are grinds but uh, it's good uh, it's good to finish the year without a lot of those and, and just make sure we're taking advantage of being at home well you guys have had you know some the toughest travel already so far this season and there's always this talk about hey maybe early in the season travel is good for the group to bond i guess winning is the best thing to bring guys to bond but did that help in, in some ways going through those road trips and having success and really coming together as a group yeah, it's it's obviously fun being on the road. Um, you know, we've done a really good job, I think, even even talking about it in the year, making sure, you know, you go out with a bunch of different guys. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of team dinners, a lot of team events. I'm looking forward to Boston. I'm going to try to take the team to my house and have a team dinner and, and just try to get the group together as much as possible. And that's that's easier on the road than when you're home. Um but you know we've we've been on the road road enough. I think everybody was everybody was excited for that flight home from Columbus. You cooking for the home dinner? Or? No, no. Hopefully my wife will. I told I told the guys uh, depending on time and and traffic in Boston, my wife will uh, make us some lobster rolls and clam chowder, and we'll figure <laughs> we'll figure some stuff out. Uh, so, so what's your go-to meal at home right now then? Go to yeah. Um, we we have a steak uh, and sweet potatoes and a salad every night before a game, and then sometimes we'll go to the social corner and have a pizza the night before a game. We like to mix it up, but uh, yeah, usually we just me and my wife eat a lot of steak and salads. Yeah, I say you know nothing wrong with steak and salad. Man. No, it's fantastic. No. Hey, Connor, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Uh, good start, start to the season, and hopefully you guys keep it going. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. That is Canucks forward Connor Garland, tableside here at Hotel Vancouver Fairmont. Uh, at the Dice and Ice Gala 2024. And you can check it out online at Connects for Kids Fund. Uh, the auction is online as well. Satya Shaw with Bick Nazar on Sports and 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You are listening to Connect Central. Uh, and, you know, it's great chatting with Connor Garland as well and, you know, the success he's had and the role he's found. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, and he talked about that in terms of, you know, how he's played with Dakota Joshua and Teddy Beluger, the way they're playing. But it's kind of one, one of the storylines for this team. Every single player has a role, mm-hmm. no matter how small it is, no how big it is, and they have true ownership of that role and you're seeing them succeed in it. it it's funny too because it's, it's clearly like the best version of yeah. Connor Garland we've seen here in three seasons. Well, he's not scoring as much. Yeah. It's, it's 
you know, it, it's slightly less points per game, but that's what's stark because the winning emphasizes the, the overall production. And he had a fantastic stretch here recently when that line was really starting to mm. uh, buzz and, and take all, all the attention. They had 15 points in 17 games. And, it, it, okay, it's a, it's a couple here without some, but you, you, you see that line and how effective they are tilting the ice and it's other guys contributing. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting that he pointed out that there's two really good defensive players out there on the PK, and I have my role on that line. So it's it's the best version of it, and I will talk to Rick Tockett at some point tonight too. But that, that puzzle thing of, of, of why it always seems to work for uh, Rick Tockett right now. Yeah, I mean uh, so many puzzle pieces or guys that, I mean the, the thing is they kind of have some universal keys I would say on the team. Of course. You know yeah. where it's like you, you know Suter can play in so many different roles for you um, you know even a guy like Dakota Joshua can play for different roles. Teddy Bluger can and your top guys up front I mean JT and Pedersen they have so many guys that can do different things for you and when you have that flexibility and versatility not only can you handle some slumps and we saw it you know the lotto line got back together but also an injury hit you know some guys can move and do some different things for you and they've not only had players fill roles but having guys that are versatile enough to do different things for you at least for a spell of time when the need arises and it's all contributing to again playing it off the conversation we're having about la right some guys looking yeah. for some points right it's all contributing to a greater cause it's hey i'll do this thing and it hopefully tilts the result in our favor and we keep doing it together and you know we've gone through three conversations now here and, and you hear it day to day from the guys too and they're, they're not saying anything too different but it, it just it's re-emphasized the fact that like they see the results and the fact that they have the early success yeah. of the season that's what he was alluding to and obviously last season the benefit I, I know there were moments last year when Rick Tockett came in and we sat here like really you want to make this decision now you don't want to wait till the summer I, I think like there it is Connor Garland was, was doubling down on why that had benefits. Yeah, and JT has mentioned it in the past, and even Quinn's mentioned it. I mean, for them, they felt like there was real value in waiting to mm-hmm. get to the point that they got to right now, right? I mean, not waiting and bringing uh, the head coach in last year, and you're seeing the, the difference that has made so far this year. But it's also one of the incredible things here that trust does, because as much as, yes, you're trying to look out for yourself when things aren't going well, but your success is so much greater when you have the support and the safety net of the group. And you have the trust in the group. Like, for instance, with Quinn, we talk about, like, he feels like he can do certain things now because he can trust the guys around him. And you see the level that he's jumped up, right? Look at all these role players, so to speak, that we talk about and the years they're having. And, yeah, I mean, some of it is luck-based for sure. Things are going well for the Canucks. But they're all having incredible seasons, playing the right way. And the level you can go to when everybody buys in and plays at that level. And that's why when people talk about, when the coaches often talk about it, it's like, be unselfish. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to help you selfishly. Like, it will. Yeah. And maybe not right away, but it will get there. And that's something we're seeing now. And it's just, do you have the, the patience? Do you have the discipline to work through it and get to that stage? And the Canucks have so far. Someone being unselfish means that you're going to benefit from it, yes. too. And so if, if you can be the first one to set that example, everyone else is going to start doing it. A phrase I like to use is, someone's got to be all in for everyone's got to, for everyone to be all in. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's hard to build that trust, man. It's, it's very delicate. And it, it also can be built, right? We're talking about a group of players here after 83 games with Rick Tockett. It's, it's, it's come together all of a sudden. And, you know, the, that, that 33 games that you have last season and a, and a summer to reflect upon it and get ready for this season, uh, that, that's why the start was so fantastic, right? For them to go yeah. on that winning streak early, that seven-game winning streak early, and you go 9-0-2, and it just 
it, it, it allows everyone to buy back in and no, really start to does. push it. Well, yeah, and I mean, look at where the Canucks find themselves right now. They're sitting here at like, uh, what, 69, 68 points on the season, and uh, they're having a ton of success. And now they're at a point where we're, we're not just talking about them making the playoffs, it's finishing as high as possible in the standings. And uh, we continue our conversations here at the Dyson Ice Gala table side at Hotel Vancouver Fairmont, and joined now by the latest Vancouver Canuck defenseman, Ian Cole. Ian, always a pleasure having you on the show, man. How are you feeling? Fellas, great. Uh, feeling great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Best it. Best address so far, too. Is, is this a timepiece on the uh, pocket there? Oh, no. That's the uh, heads and tails uh, oh, game uh, thing. I, I thought maybe you had like the conductor. No, no. Yeah, yeah like, like the... the yeah. Uh, no, I don't. No. <laughs> this train always runs on time. <laughs> so uh, what table are you working then? What are you doing uh, today? Blackjack. Blackjack. Actually. Yeah. I was just asking. Uh, I'm like, well, how much is each chip worth? Like, how does a money work exchange? Because I'm trying to, like, keep it legit. Yeah, yeah. And, like, no one has any idea. They're like, just throw chips around. It's for a good cause. Just after tips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll be fine. That'll be all right. But, I mean, these types of events, I'm sure you've been a part of a lot of these with different teams and, and everything like that. But uh, when you're together with a group and a team is having success and you come out to these things, uh, it gives probably an extra sense of pride as well when the team is doing well and, and people coming into these types of events. Well, it certainly makes it more fun, right? Um, everyone in terms of us, yes, but also all the people here uh, can enjoy it a little more, can talk about the success of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if things are going bad, obviously we're here for a great cause, Connects for Kids. Like, that's the real reason we're here. Uh, but in terms of, of, of mingling and meeting people, uh, it's a lot more fun when, when you're winning hockey games than, than when you're losing. Uh, when you come into the city and, and you hear about the buzz of playing in Vancouver and the team's winning, uh, what has the experience been like for you? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. And I think that we're trying to, inside the room at least, we're trying to, um, you know, maybe insulate ourselves a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when, I, when I first got here and before this season, it was, you know, there was so much weight on, oh, how's the start going to be? Like, oh, are we going to be terrible again? Like, oh, right. we're so bad. You know, so it's like, hey, we need to insulate ourselves from that negative talk. And now that we're winning games and, you know, we're first in the league and everyone's like, oh, my God, they're amazing. We also need to insulate ourselves from that as well, right? Like, for us, to be as successful as we can, we need to not let all the outside noise affect us, whether positive or negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we lost a game last night. In my opinion, we should have won. That stinks. Uh, that stings a lot less when you're in the position that we are standings-wise. Um, but we want to look at each game as a microcosm, um, you know, of the season as a whole, right? And we want to look at each game individually and try to assess that game, move forward, how do we win the next game? And, you know, we keep doing that. I mean, it's, it's cliche, and is it repetitive? Yeah, but you know what? Like... There's a method to the madness, and there is a, uh, and at least in my opinion, that you end up with uh, probably a little more success in the long run. Is there almost an, a, an increased eagerness coming off a game like, say, the Blues game for the next practice, for the next game, to, to rectify those things? Definitely, definitely. And I think that we've had a really great mindset this year where we've talked about a lot, like, hey, good teams don't lose two games or good teams don't lose three games in a row. Like, we don't go on slides. Like, we need to fix it. We need to respond right away. You know, we've seen that with, you know, Columbus game. You know, obviously we had the whole travel deal and long trip and everything, but we lost that game. You know, we come right back and we win at home. You know, we lose against St. Louis. the last game we lost in regulation. We come and then we win, what, four or five in a row. Um, so... The ability to respond to, you know, not just getting scored on or, or going down in a game, but also losing a game and bouncing back uh, just shows a level of maturity that I think is uh, is very positive for our team. That Columbus travel whole ordeal there. Are there moments where you try to take something out of it or just like provide some levity? And, and is it something you use to like try to come together? Uh, it was funny. We were talking about it before the game and, you know, we got we get stuck in Buffalo. Yeah. And we're traveling like late night and. 
it's the whole thing's a mess and it throws the whole routine off and you know that's no excuse we got to play better but um you know we all go up for warm-ups we're like how'd you guys how'd, how'd you feel in warm-ups <laughs> I felt so good. And you're like, did you? And you're like, no, I'm just telling myself just tell that. I'm trying to like talk yeah. it into existence, you know? So the whole time we're like, we feel so good. We feel awesome. Like I've never felt better. And we go up for the game. We're like, I feel so bad. I have no legs. I feel awful. So uh, it was pretty funny. But you know what? We got through it. We got a point out of it. And we battled through it. And, and we were able to come back home and, and, and thus far have a good road stand or a home stand, I should say. Well, and that kind of battle level that you kind of mentioned, we saw it against the Blues as well. You know, like you mentioned, probably a game that you feel you probably should win and you probably, based on talent, can and should win as well. But you guys do come back really hard and you had a lot of moments where you probably could have won that game still. And we spoke to Connor about this who was here last year and he said maybe last year we go down 3-1 after scoring a 2-1 goal, maybe we kind of fold doesn't seem to be at all in the mentality this year that when when adversity hits you guys don't fold you, get, you guys respond it seems yeah. like yeah and i think part of it too is kind of knowing what your you know yes role but also kind of what your job is at any given moment right what your responsibility is and you know we you know we go down three one they score um and it's like okay like for me specifically i'm like all right we cannot let them score again because that effectively ends the game like mm-hmm. i need to let the guys who are going to score, like, do their job, and I need to do my job to make sure we do not get scored on again to give them a chance to do their job, right? Um, you know, yeah, we can, you know, try to stretch for goals and, yeah. and, and jump and be aggressive, absolutely, but we absolutely cannot get scored on again because that will end the game. How do we keep it within reach to let Millsy and then last night Suits do his thing and score goals and make things happen, right? So, you know, it's each guy kind of knowing what they bring and saying, like, hey, how do I shore this up and do my job to set someone else up for success, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, it makes a ton of sense because in this year in particular, it feels like guys have more ownership in their roles than ever before, and hearing you define it so simply like that, the value in guys knowing, okay, this is what I provide to the team. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that bring in energy when you know you have to come over the boards and be like, okay, this is what I have to do right now for the next 60 seconds? Yeah. No, I think so. I, I think it does. And, you know, that can be as simple as like, hey, we just scored or we got scored on. And like, hey, we need to have a good shift. Like, we need to come back and have a really good shift, right? Like, or, you know, like I said, we, we score. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, next shift after a goal. Like, this needs to be a momentum uh, continuing shift. It can't be stuck in our D zone for 50 seconds or whatever. So it's uh, it's kind of recognizing, you know, the game within the game, kind of the flow of how things are going and, and trying to, uh, you know, get the job done accordingly. One of the things that we were talking right before you joined us and this common theme about being unselfish with how you guys play, good line changes and, and doing the right things in the staples and sometimes that's sacrificing in the moment, perhaps taking a chance. But with a number of players having career years with a success happening, happening, when you are unselfish, that means you help somebody else out. Mm-hmm. And then when you play in the right way, good things happen for you. Is it discipline that takes? Is it dis- the discipline you need to work through it? Because once you play unselfish, undoubtedly you will start getting a lot of benefits out of it. Yeah, absolutely, right. Like it's uh, the old adage, right? Like a rising tide raises all ships, right? So you know, in some sense, you know, is there some sort of sacrifice, maybe personally? You know, like, for instance, you make a great breakout as a D-man, right? Great breakout. You're out of your zone clean. You guys change. Well, the next D-hop out there, the forwards go score, but you're on the bench. You don't get the plus. Right. You know, which has happened many times this season. And we're sitting there, and it's like, I don't care because I'm happy we scored, and that's what matters, right? And then we win hockey games, and when you start winning, and you win consistently, and then you win in the spring and the summer, 
then it's like, wow, all those guys are really good, right? And that raises everybody. So, you know, there's almost like a little bit of short-term sacrifice for long-term gain, right. um, which I think that we've had a better job of kind of understanding that and, and committing to that. Uh, the break's coming up here, and then there's a stretch to the deadline, stretch to the end of the season. What's important in these two stretches here for, for the team? It's, we've we've kind of heard from the guys, we're like, hey, just day-to-day, that's the mantra that have bought in. But is there a stretch? Because you've gone through these stretches here of the, the, the duration to finish. Uh, what do you try to do in these last 30-some-odd games? Yeah, I think as this season has gone from you know training camp to this point, it's been, okay, how do we build our game? How do we kind of lay that foundation to, to build on as we go? And, you know, listen, I think our team game has gotten better and better and better as we've gone this season. We've been more consistent. Um, so then from here on out, either to the trade deadline or to the end of the season, however, whatever, you know, mile marker you want to use, um, is to continue to build that game and get us ready for the playoffs. Like, I think we can confidently say that, hey, like you guys mentioned, like we're going to be a playoff team, as well we should be. Now, how do we get our game in order? Because I've been on teams where we kind of like fell, you know, pardon my French, like kind of ass backwards into right. the playoffs, and um, it didn't go well. You right. A lot of times you lose in the first round, or conversely, you see a team like the Florida Panthers last year, or, you know, I don't know what, St. Louis when they won yeah. or LA when they won. Like it's happened countless times where a team is rolling going into the playoffs and they have their game in order and they just start running through the playoffs. I mean, first year we won in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. At January, we had a coaching change. We're out of the playoffs. Mike Sullivan came in. We got our game in order. And then like we ended up winning like, I don't know, 18 to 20 to end the season, just rolled through the playoffs. And for the most part, you know, kind of ran through everybody. And um, so for me, I think the biggest thing is to, how do we get our game in order and get ready for the playoffs? And our coaches are well aware of that. They are very dialed in. And, you know, we win a game against Toronto and everyone's celebrating like, oh, what a game. And like we come in and they're like, okay, how do we get better? This was right. bad. This wasn't good enough. So not that they're harping on negativity, but it's just a it's a it's take emotion out of it. It's like this is what we need to fix. We need to fix this, 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 this. And like we're going to practice and fix it right now is there um, anything right now that you see that's like okay we're very close to completing of, of putting in order like you say well you know it's tough because uh, things change from game to game right like you know like oh the four check was so great last game and then it's like oh we're now we're disconnected then the following game so it's like how do we continue to tweak and tweak and tweak and um you know get things in order but i think kind of as it goes you kind of level one thing up then to level something else up and hopefully as you go you start to level everything up right across the board kind of kind of thinking like a soundboard, you know, you just kind of like slowly push those levers up, 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 right? Right. You know, and, and that makes that makes t- total sense, too. And I mean, the reality, too, with hockey, it's such a, a random game at times. So, yeah. like, the game script can be different, and some games it just doesn't allow certain things to happen, and you have to react to whatever it is. But in terms of how you guys have found an identity so far, we're talking to the other guys, too. It seems like as good as you've been, and this is a positive, you guys have more room to grow. Because you guys, as the season's gone off, it got stronger in terms of your mm-hmm. defensive play, but also how you're creating chances. The guys seem more confident and comfortable in how they're generating. Is there another level you guys can reach, too, with your overall team game, it seems, right now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, a great um, a great part of that is, 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 you know, you look at our... Special teams, definitely, but also five-on-five five play, right? There's um, there's things we can improve, and I don't need to get into specifics, but there's things that we can improve and continue to level up as we go, right? And listen, our job is to get as ready as we can for the playoffs, and we understand that. And listen, we just need to keep working. We know that. Um, 
Yeah, and without getting too much, yeah. We'll, 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 Don't we'll tell the right. secrets. We'll you can tell us off yeah, yeah. instead. Well, good. you know what? I saw what the chirps are going to be on the introductions today, and I've already kind of gotten enough. Uh, uh, all right. Is there right. like a – because there's no rookies. Is, is there like a, a young players uh, thing? No, there's not. There's not. We should. They should, uh, you know, Just jump make- up in uh, some <laughs> – Halloween costume and do a skit and do a dance or something. Just make Hoggy do something, right? I, everything Hoggy does is funny, <laughs> so that would absolutely that would crush it for sure. Uh, Ian Cole, Canucks defenseman, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks so always. much, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, that is Canucks defenseman Ian Cole joining us table side here at the Hotel Vancouver Fairmont uh, at the Canucks Dyson Ice event. And that, like we mentioned, there's an online auction you can check out as well for Canucks or Kins Fund online. And you know, it's it's kind of it's interesting uh, the common themes we've heard so far, and we'll mm-hmm. continue the conversation a uh, lot. Live at the Hotel Vancouver Fairmont, this is Canucks Central. And this hour, Canucks Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. More coming up next in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central, coming to you live from the Hotel Vancouver Fairmont in Satin Bick. And now we're joined tableside. It's the Dyson Ice Gala uh, for the Canucks for Kids Fund. It's available online as well. And we're joined by Sam Lafferty, uh, tableside. And, and Sam, uh, always a pleasure getting you on the show, man. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, feeling good. Uh, really fun night, fun event. Obviously a great cause. And uh, yeah, we're having a lot of fun. Uh, season's going fantastic for you. Uh, and, and, and you get brought in and... What does it feel like when, when there's a, a management group that you know, values you and, and goes out of their way to find you? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a really good year so far. Uh, for everybody, the team's had a ton of success, and I think that feeds a lot of individual success as well. And um, I just think back when I first got traded, uh, uh, Patrick Alvin called me and just told me a little bit about the culture he was trying to build here, and that got me really excited. And um, it's definitely been put into action since... Uh, you know, since those guys have, have obviously got here, and it's been fun to be a part of that. Well, you've uh, been traded a couple times now, and obviously last year we were traded from Chicago to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Were you a bit surprised when the call came uh, that you were moving from Toronto, or did you have an idea of that of something like that could have happened? Um, I, I had an idea. It was a little surprising. I thought I, um, yeah, I thought I had a, a pretty good uh, playoff series. Obviously, we didn't win in the second mm-hmm. round, and had a good summer and, and a pretty strong camp. So. Um, I was pretty excited there, um, but obviously, you know, there's different uh, things that come into play out of your control. So um, when I heard I was coming to Vancouver, I, I was really excited to be part of this group. How do you compare the uh, two cities? They're two very hockey-crazed markets, obviously. Uh, is there any differences or, or, or things that really stand out to you? Um, I think uh, it's been a lot of fun to play these Saturday night games, Hockey Night in Canada. I think right. that's been uh, mm-hmm. one of the coolest parts. Um yeah, just so much energy in the building for those. And um, I'm American, but obviously learning more and more about, you know, how much that means to this entire country. So um, definitely some similarities that way and how much uh, the sport means to everybody. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I live in Vancouver, so I'm going to have to side with <laughs> Vancouver at this point. That's Could you feel choice. the Vancouver-Toronto rivalry uh, uh, a couple of Saturdays ago when they came in? It was pretty crazy. Yeah, the, the building, uh, I mean, a few Leafs fans in there too to, to make it even more hostile mm-hmm. going back and forth. And, um, yeah, it felt like a playoff game. It was, it was really fun to be a part of that. Well, and in terms of you know how the team is playing, how you fit in with your style, you know you're fast on the forecheck, you play physical, but you've been really good at, at scoring this year as well. But this is something that you, you showcased last year with Chicago before going over to Toronto. Do you kind of feel like you've really found your game at the NHL and, and you feel like you can score at a, at, a, at a solid rate? I think so. I think it's a uh, it's a learning process. It's not always about scoring for me. It's about how can you impact the game in other ways too consistently. So. Um, as long as I'm doing some of those other things and I can chip in some goals, I think that's the key for my success. We, we've heard so many guys this evening talk about hey, being unselfish and, and, and doing the day-to-day. You, you've been in a role where like one day you're on the first line, another line you're with, with, with Oman and Hoaglander. The, the constant changing environment, but being consistent with, with what you bring, how challenging is that? It's kind of, I'm kind of used to it at this point. It's, um, it's what I expect, and there's not really any surprises. And I think the nice thing, too, is... It's not like I'm expected to play any differently no matter who I'm with. So it's been a lot of fun playing with all those different guys, and everyone has their own strengths. They bring something different to the table, and, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. Oh, you guys have increasingly become a harder team to play against, and, and not just because you have guys like you really get on the forechecking and get hit, but you guys can test so many plays around the ice. The sticks are always stick-checking somebody else. You're in the right position mostly. What is it like when the whole group buys into to being tough to play against in that sense? Yeah, we're definitely starting to get a feel for that. You know, you see, like, another line does something. Like, it could be a little play, like you said, contesting a play in the neutral zone that leads to offensive zone time, and then they change in the offensive zone, and it just kind of feeds to the next line. So it's something that gets us excited on the bench, and um, we kind of just feed off each other's energy. And it's been nice to to start to really, like, understand our structure, and and I think everyone really, like, understands it and buys in. Is that the most contagious when the, when the forecheck gets going and shift comes out and, all right, you've got to sustain that forecheck that the other line just established and, and that ability to just keep rolling like that? Yeah, it's it's huge. When you see a line go out there and, and work them in the O-zone and um, find a way to, to hustle off the ice and set up the next line, and the other team's obviously exhausted. It's, it gets everybody excited on the bench because we know that these games are going to get harder and harder and that's what it's going to take. Well, that was a, it was a play like that against uh, Toronto. I think the first goal you guys scored, it was you were on the ice with, with Oman and Hoaglander, and it was the Mikheyev with Kuzmenko out on the line, line before you guys had over a minute of zone time, but they're just winning pucks, and they're beelining it over. You guys jump over, and then you score the goal. I mean, that's like the epitome of, of a team shift, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, it really is. It's, it's unselfish, and, you know, if everyone's kind of looking for their their own points then maybe you're kind of hanging out there and trying to get your get your own but mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's the mindset here is just like let's play the right way no matter what and um that's what we've been doing so we're sticking to our structure and we're playing hard for one another sam uh, always a pleasure man thanks for giving us some time here at the canucks dice for, for ice event and we look forward to seeing more more of you of the ice uh, over the course of the season yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, that is Canucks forward Sam Lafferty joining us tableside at Hotel Vancouver, Fairmont. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we talk about the team and how they've played so far this year. And, you know, obviously uh, Sam playing alongside Hoaglander and Oman recently, they've been really impacting the game. But something we discussed so much in that Toronto game, that the team shifts, you know, it's like a line goes out there, you create zone time, you get off the ice while you have the zone time, and it just kind of snowballs and continues building across. 
it's so important, right? And because the energy that is going to be required, right? Like we're we're, we're seeing a, a regular season speed right now. Yeah, it's you know, we'll, we'll use the talkativeism. It's going to ramp up a great deal. Yeah, and the playoff intensity and the playoff speed requires that unselfishness of hey, we have to sustain a certain tempo of the game, and it's got to be tenacious all the time. You're going to get tired after 50 seconds, after a minute 15, and it's hard to keep it up. And so, do the right thing. Hustle off, first of all, and let the next guy beeline in there, as you just mentioned. And yeah, that, that Hoaglander goal was the one that really singles out of uh, in Toronto. It's just like, here he comes yeah. flying into the slot, gets that puck, and they're on it, and just keeping that level up. And it's it's challenging, but like that's the discipline that's required. What also like uh, Hoaglander and, and how he's done and, and how he's played. I mean, you saw even the coach getting to a point right now where he's mentioning Hoaglander when talking about other players. He was asked about Mikheyev today. He's like, he's got to be more like Hoaglander. And, I mean, that's mm-hmm. quite the feather in Hoaglander's cap to go from being a player who was he- healthy scratched. We were wondering, how does he fit into this roster? Is he going to be a type of player that can convince and, uh, you know, uh, get into the good books of Rick Tockett? And here he is using him as an example for other players to follow. And I've heard this term from, uh, from Rick Tockett when he was in Arizona, too. Just, and I think he's used it here, too, of, like, using minute markers yeah. of – Hey, you got to go from a 10-minute player to a 12-minute player to a 14-minute player to a 16-minute player. All right, so one of the things that you got to do is not just play with energy, but you got to do all the things that we were just talking about of being unselfish, being there for your teammates, doing this thing of, of hustling to the bench. That's how you earn more trust. Yeah, yeah you can score some goals, and, and that will be the thing. But, you know, goals are anomalies in all the plays that happen over the course of a game. So if you're doing the good crisp line changes – that's the stuff that's going to get noticed a great deal by the coaching staff. Do what's repeatable. 100%. You know, and if you do that consistently, and, you know, it's funny because they, they talk about predictability. And it's not so much about being predictable to your opponent, more about being predictable in how you play with your teammates, where you understand what you're trying to do and then being in that spot for your teammate. And, you know, and, and Sam uh, Lafferty also mentioned, he's like, you get to a point sometimes when everybody's chasing their own on the ice, you, you start chasing your own too. Because, like, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. If you're out there on the ice and you have two of the other forwards and they're clearly just trying to create something for themselves, why should you do anything different? It's like, well, I may as well get in on it because I'm just going to fall. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who's doing something all by myself and not getting points out of it, you know? And having that mindset is so important, but also having the whole team buy into it. It's like us. You're doing this take for yourself. I'm going to do a take for myself. <laughs> We're not having a conversation. It's firing off takes one yeah. after another. Yeah. Usually not very good. Not even listening to each other. Just not even looking at each other. <laughs> just looking past. <laughs> I just can't That's wait to be do. done this show. That's kind of how I feel talking to Bick. <laughs> I was going to fire off some takes, not I've, even look at him. No, but I, yeah. I've been on shows like that. <laughs> As the former boss walks by. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. All right. Uh, now, uh, we're hopeful to be joined by Rick Tockett, but we had some great conversations so yeah. far today. If you missed it, um, you can check it out on the podcast. We spoke to JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Ian Cole, and, of course, Sam Lafferty as well, plus Connor Garland. So a lot of great conversations so far with Canucks players. And All here know, at the uh, Dice and Ice event, which, by the way, there's an online auction, fantastic uh, things you can grab, uh, like the toilet, Taylor Swift concert experience, ooh. road trip experience with the Canucks. Plenty of stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, Canucks road trip now with the team is having success sounds a lot, a lot of fun, doesn't it? Woo. 
Like back when yeah. the Canucks were like one of the powers in the Western in the NHL, they had some great traveling fans. Not the not just going to cities that had Canucks fans. I had mm-hmm. a lot of Canucks fans would like make sure that the hey, Arizona they to Florida, trip. Arizona Very trip, popular. California Absolutely. trip. Yep. You know, hundreds of Canucks fans would uh, book trips and head out and, uh, to watch them. And a couple now, of days in Scottsdale, hundred percent. Especially going through this event, you, you get to also you know rub some elbows with some Canucks players and personnel and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. A couple of days of in Salt Lake next time. Or uh, next season? Salt Lake. Let's not do Salt Lake. Why not? Can't be a team. Salt Lake. It's supposed to be a nice area. Like I said, like I said, Alabama's done a better job of developing hockey players in Salt Lake, or Utah has. So that's where I'm at. Very mountainous <laughs> there in, uh, outrageous. in uh, Utah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the, one of my favorite things when we do these events is people thinking like we're the registration <laughs> table half the time. So we have headsets on and we're talking, but we're firing off takes. <laughs> you you want to register your future take? You can do that. <laughs> hey, mark it down. We have it. It's <laughs> a whole point. Big has, a, on the Big has his Excel sheets ready to go. Yeah. No, no, not for you, sir. No. <laughs> What's people, over there? People glancing over us. Excel. Excel. What? <laughs> There's some business people here. That. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know. That, oh. There are, are some high earners in this area. Yes, yeah. there is a few. There's one or two. And then perhaps. us. And then us. <laughs> yeah, the highest of, of our earners that you could possibly find. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are at the Canucks Dice and Ice event, and we're about to be joined by another Vancouver Canuck, netminder Casey the Smith. We're getting him uh, set here for the for a conversation with us tableside at Hotel Vancouver Fairmont. Uh, and, and Casey joins us now, just putting the headset on, uh, getting set for a conversation ahead of having some fun tonight. I mean, you've been on a few different teams. You've been to events like this. It's always a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We did one uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, um, you know, for the Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. And it was always a, a great night, you know, for everybody and raised so much money at, just like this. You know, it's a very similar event. And it's just so important that, you know, NHL franchises do things like this, you know, mm-hmm. for really important causes, kids especially, you know, that's close to everybody's heart, right? So it's just a great event and happy to be part of it. Uh the, the giving back element of, of an event like this, uh, what does it mean to you as a personal uh, source of pride? Yeah, it's great. I mean, everybody's here is doing their part tonight, you know, whether it's donating money or, right. you know, us just coming and, and being a part of something so special or the Canucks putting it on, you know, everybody has a part to do. And um, it's just a really a nice night for everybody to just kind of get together and do something for, for a lot of people who need it. Well, and you guys see how far that can go, right? I mean, and how people, especially when when the team is doing well, of course, but just like there are so many people that are in need, and then to be able to provide that type of help, that's got to be really special. Yeah, of course. You know, we love this city, and the the city loves the Canucks, for sure. So I haven't been here very long, but that's one thing that I know for sure is that, um, you know, there's a lot of love between this city and the Vancouver Canucks, and it it goes back from us to them as well, so... Is there a moment when you were young, uh, maybe not through charity, or just community outreach, where you, where you met an NHLer and reflecting on what that impact meant to you? Yeah, it wasn't NHLer, but you know, somebody who played college, mm-hmm. uh, college hockey was my first ever goalie coach, and he just would come over to my house, like out of the goodness of his heart, and I really looked up to him. And uh, we've stayed in contact. He has a family now, and they would go to all my college hockey games, and you know we're still close. So it's really important, just role models and the effect that they can have on on kids. And you know, 
I still look up to him to this day. Well, and, and as far as, you know, how you're performing and you get to the point you're at now with this team, and it's always people that help you along the way to get to that stage, right? And there's always trials and tribulations before you get to being at the stage you are right now. But how comfortable do you feel in your game here in Vancouver right now? Yeah, very comfortable. I, I think this, this whole team... Um, has been clicking on a lot of levels. I think our locker room chemistry is really, really good, and everybody's bought in. Everybody is pulling in the same direction towards the same cause, and um, I think when you have a whole team that has a lot of teamwork and a lot of team chemistry like this team seems to have, I think that's when great things happen. So, you know, everybody's hopes are high, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Even, you know, I've been a, a relatively small part of it so far. Um, and obviously we have so many, you know, all the guys going to the All-Star game. And, you know, the the bottom six forwards, like everybody's contributing. It's it's pretty amazing to watch. I'd say that you might be selling yourself short a little bit. I mean, seven wins in, 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 in 48 games is, is pretty good, man. Like you're, you're, you're done, you've done more than just giving a little smaller part. And, and I know you you're obviously don't want to speak about that too much, but does, does it feel good to not being a backup but also contributing in a big way to the team's success? Definitely, and I hope that I contribute in other ways too, you know, whether it's in practice or around the locker room. Uh, I just want to be there for this team, you know, and we have such a great group who they're easy to root for night in and night out, and I'm enjoying doing that. Uh, how much interaction did you have uh, with, with Ian Clark before coming here, and, and what have you learned in the time since then? Yeah, I, I didn't know Ian at all prior to coming here. Um, but since I've been here, he he demands excellence. Uh, he really kind of drives me to to be better, you know. And I've been in the league a long time, and I think that he is so good at getting the best out of goalies, you know. And, and his career resume, you can see that in the goalies that he's coached and the success that goalies have had under him. And I'm just fortunate to, you know, be working with him. And he's putting his little fingerprint on my game. And it's helping so far. And I, I look to continue building on it. One of the things that we hear about Ian as a, as a goalie coach is he's got a lot of principles off court, of course, that he wants goalies to work on. But he's not like, he's, he's not so strict on like, these. this is the way you have to play. It's more about what can we do to tweak your game for how you play to be the best version of yourself. And that's not always the case with goalie co coaches, is it? No, not at all. That was very well said. Um, that was spot on. Um, but that's exactly his approach. And I think that's why goalies perform so well under him is that he's tailoring their own game, what they already have and, and the things that they do well. Um, and then kind of tightening up things that they don't do so well and little holes in the game. And, you know, we're months into the season and I still have a bunch of projects, you know, going on. And that's what we call them. Like, it's just projects in my game that we're working on together. And it's it's a nice team dynamic. And he's he's good to work with. When you get to Pittsburgh, the, the, the culture of the organization has been already so established, right? Like Sid's been there for so long and things are already ingrained. And culture has been a big topic here over the past, you know, 18 months. Do you see resemblances of what was happening in Pittsburgh to what was here now? Because it's much of the same regime doing it here. Yeah, I would say there's definitely differences and similarities. Um, you know, I think that talk does a great job kind of letting us have the room and be a team. And, and it feels like a team. You know, he doesn't try and make it feel like uh, 
like a dictatorship mm. or you know he lords over every everything and everybody um that's definitely not not the vibe and and he makes it easy for a lot of guys to perform and i think guys feel that way that you know given the way that he behaves around the team and the way he treats everybody it gives them the best chance to play you know effectively and play their best and he has everybody bought in and i th- i just think talks doing a great job is is that one of the more challenging jobs of a head coach because I mean, all these guys know x's and no x's and o's of course right all very smart people but the man management side of things to, to get people comfortable yeah i think that's a big part of it um locker room dynamics are huge uh in any sport any team and we're no different and um there's a lot of positive influences in the locker room that are contributing to that mm-hmm. um but talks definitely you know one of them he's the he's the head coach and uh the team kind of follows him so kudos to him for just having the locker room in a, in a really good place Canucks netminder Casey DeSmith. Casey, thanks for giving us some time, man, and enjoying the night. Like, what, what table are you working? You got, you're doing craps? Or uh, I'm at or? the wine bar. Oh, there okay. you go. There you go. People box. come and, like, it's kind of cool. They they pay 50 bucks flat, flat fee, and they pick a random chip. And then that chip could either be a $50 wine or, like, a $500 bottle of wine. Ah, it's nice. kind of like a lottery nice. thing. So nice. Kind of fun. No, that'll be a lot of fun, so we look forward to seeing you out there. But thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you got it. That is Canucks Netminder. Casey, this missed some great insight uh, chatting about the team and uh, very excited about how things are going in Vancouver. And a lot of praise for the head coach, Rick Tockett, and, and how he's been able to get the best out of the players so far. Certainly. Uh, and it, it, it's it's someone that you know he was being humble about it but uh certainly his contribution to the team has been so enormous because you know, he, he we we look at it and say hey contribute a couple of points we, we talked about 25 starts are you gonna get to to 25 points well he's certainly well on his way to doing that and the relationship and and, and the usage that he and demko have had uh has been uh, fantastic well and i mean you should have seen the way he was uh he lit up talking about talk it you know what i mean like absolutely being all in on on rick talk it and uh, i'm getting roasted by finn right now finn is roasting me he's i, I think he's Finn's saying wearing joe, a suit i think finn is saying joe flacco choked, choked yeah and yeah. lost and he's yeah. yeah he's yeah so finn is finn is roasting my but that is a nice suit yeah it uh, fits pretty well <laughs> uh finn's finn's got business yeah. to do he's got yeah, he's, go, working yeah. he's, he's working, working out yeah. he's, he's got a suit on yeah he's, I don't, he's dressed up for the occasion i don't now know if i've ever to... seen finn in a suit yeah he's ready you gonna put the headset on always puts uh, the headset there you go on. Yeah, he's looking good he's looking on. good yeah. look at look at this guy he's not gonna tell us anything there we go i think finn is a cowboys fan though so i'm not sure yeah. that went very <laughs> i don't think that went very well for him i do not think he's very pleased with that it's okay well both our teams will do better super bowl yeah. browns uh, uh, cowboys next year next year yeah you got the There's same always head coach <laughs> Can they hire Tockett? Maybe, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, you That's the move. That That's is, yeah. the move. <laughs> uh, I think Joe Flacker in retirement home. I got it. I got it. <laughs> getting roasted by Finn. This is fantastic stuff. This uh, is always like my favorite game of charades. It really is. Yeah. It really is. It really is because uh, he always brings the, I mean, yeah, he thinks he's a star here right now. Yeah. yeah. People are waving. All right. You People gotta go are take not here photos. to see us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really nice suit, by the way. Yeah. Is it custom tailored? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. Oh, wow. Oh, wait. I see. Oh, I see it. I see it. Uh, okay. Oh, it says custom made for Finn. For oh, there Finn. You go. Yeah, it is for Finn. And go Canucks go. And go Canucks That's really what sharp. That's really sharp. That's looking great. Almost running over fans, yeah. though. That's the only other it's problem. Fine. It's All fine. Right. <laughs>
uh, one of the best parts uh, of the event here, the Dice and Ice Gala. Uh, and they there is an online auction, like Vic mentioned. You can check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, Connects with Kids Fund online as well. And, you know, uh, you know, we were just talking to Casey about, you know, the head coach, but also Ian Clark. And we know and in this market, not only have we been graced with great goalies on the ice, we've also been uh, graced with a lot of great uh, goalie analysts in this market. And one of the things that they talk about so much, and Kevin Woodley talks about this a lot, is the way Ian Clark works with mm -hmm. the goaltenders and how he doesn't try to reinvent the wheel for them. It's more about how can that get to the best version of who, what you are as a goaltender? Because if we try to change who you are, it's probably not going to work out. And I think that's kind of the approach the entire team has. It's like, we're not trying to make you into something you're not. How about just do the things that you can do the best and do it repeatedly? And you might be able to get away with it a bit like that, say, say for a winger. You're like, all right, look, you're going to play 11 minutes, so you can do a couple of things, but we, we do want you to do this. Goaltending, can you imagine? Just be like, we, you, we only want you to play this way. And guys, mechanics, fighting it and trying yeah. to do it. and it, it, it can be a prolonged and difficult process to, to, to follow that, and it might fail. And it's goaltending. You fail in goaltending, it's goals against in a big way, and it looks odd. So for, for, the, for the goalie coach and the goalie department here in Vancouver to understand that and think of like the different guys we've seen here just come through recently, like yeah. Braden Holpe to Yaroslav Halak and to Casey DeSmith and it, different styles and they all kind of have their levels of success here and it, it fits too. Uh, it, it's big uh, credit to the department. Yeah, absolutely has been. All right, uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Now we are going to talk to Rick Tockett and we're going to record it and it's going to be a podcast exclusive. So keep an eye out for that a bit later tonight but we are going to wrap things up here at Hotel Vancouver Fairmont for the Dice and Ice Gala Canucks for Kids Fund is benefiting and as we mentioned you can make sure to check that out online on the online auction as well and this hour of Connect Central is brought to you by Brevo Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration it's Satyar Shah with Big Nazar and we'll have Rick Tockett for an exclusive interview for the podcast and that's coming up a bit later on. Thanks for listening on the Home of Your Canuck, Sportsnet 650. All right, we're now joined tableside live with Canucks head coach Rick Tockett at the Hotel Vancouver Fairmont ahead of the Dice and Ice Gala. And Rick, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, it must feel pretty good to be part of events like this with the organization. Yeah, I remember last year I took the job, and I think I was a week or two in, mm -hmm. and I came to this event. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and was truly amazed uh, what, what the Canucks and how involved they were with charity. Uh, I couldn't believe the people bidding for some of the stuff. I, um, one guy bid, uh, and actually he came on a road trip. He bid, I forget what they bid, 30, 40 grand. And uh, he bid for another couple, and they came on the trip. I think it was Arizona trip. And we actually went out to dinner with these guys. And asked, I still talk to the guy today. So... It's amazing what they do here, the Canucks, for the charities. We we'll always hear from NHLers yeah. and athletes, just the, the connection you know, sports creates with the community, uh, these events, doing that. And, and you see it reciprocated when fans come to the building, teams winning. Uh, what does it mean to, to, to use these events to, to launch into bigger things, too? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, even the Canucks alumni is hugely strong. Been a couple of events, so their events for autism. Um, you know, the Canucks Kids Place. Things like that is just amazing to me. Um, you know, and... Um, I'm, I'm a big alumni. Like, I love that, you know, seeing the old guys, Jeff Court and all, all those guys. So that's kind of nice to do. 
Well, and this organization uh, is as good as any in the league in terms of the, the charity events, but also having alumni involved. I'm sure you see it with the guys around the rink all the time. Yeah, Kirk McLean's around a lot, uh, Babbage, all these guys. And uh, I played against these guys, so when they're around, you get those sentimental feelings, right? And I feel it's nice to have those guys around and see the, the younger players see that what these guys did when they played, you know, and uh, what they did for the city. What does it mean when the when the alumni are so connected to the team and and then working with the community as well? Because it, it doesn't always go so well across the leagues. That it's, it's not perfect like that. No, but I, I'll tell you, the Canucks, uh, the alumni is pretty strong here. Yeah. Very strong. Um, it's one of those, uh, you know, I think they're in the top. You know, you got St. Louis is big, Philadelphia. So just some of the stops that I've been in with the alumni, it, it, it really adds a lot to the organization. Now, as far as what you guys are doing on the ice, and I'm sure these events, uh, you were here last year, yeah. obviously, and that wasn't, but this year you're at these events and the team is having incredible success. But it, And based on our conversations, we spoke to Quinn so far, JT, Sam Lafferty, Ian Cole, Connor Garland, Casey DeSmith, a common thread about how serious they are about day-to-day stuff and how the, the All-Stars are like, we haven't even th- thought about the All-Star game. How focused is this group right yeah. now? Yeah, I think something that you're trying to find that medium. Like, I want these guys to enjoy. Hey, we're in first place and enjoy it. But we also have to earn our day. I, we call it earn our day. I think JT might have said it the other day. Like, you know, yeah, you win or if you say you lose, the next day you got to earn it. And I think that's our mantra right now. Um, and we, we believe in each other. Um, you know, I think it's a special group. The hard work's going to get harder. You know, people think, uh, you know, it's been a great year so far. We got a lot, of, a lot of games left, um, and this is where the really hard work comes. And it's going to get uncomfortable. You know, I, I think the players have to understand it's going to get harder. Um, you know, teams are going to be ready for you, and uh, we're going to have to play with desperation. Also, where did you do, uh, first develop that idea of, of earn your day? Uh, is it something that? A coach said to you or, or is this just a principle that you think has to be applied I, I, I mean it's kind of my little thing because I, I just feel as even as a coach you know the next day I got to come up with something fresh or, or earn my day too like you know you can't just rest on your laurels of the game before um, you know I remember being in Arizona taking over a team you know a very young team we're going to win a lot and I remember how do you go into a program that's not going to win a lot right off the bat because you have younger players and I felt Every day should be a day where you're in your day. Like, I'm a big practice guy. So if you come, you know, you have a tough night the night before, you come to practice, you focus on a good practice, your staples, you know, what you have to do to get better, it makes the day go better because, you know, you're not thinking about the 6 nothing loss the night before, but you're thinking of how am I going to get better. Um, and if each individual has that attitude, you can get out of the, you know, you can, first of all, you can develop players better, and then you can have the attitude of, a, of 23, 24 guys every day pulling in the same direction. And I think that it takes a level of maturity to buy into how valuable time is, right? Yeah. And I think when you're sometimes younger, it's like, oh, yeah. I got time, I'll figure it out. But, like, you yeah. really don't. That's a, great, that's a great thing about you. I remember my first two, three years, I went to the Stanley Cup Finals twice. And I remember, like, Oh, I'm going to be going back. This is no problem. And, and it doesn't work that way. You know, there's guys that get in the playoff their first couple of years, and they don't get in for 10 years, and then their career is over. So you, you can't regret things. you gotta, you, you got to live for the moment. Um, and you got to, you know, every time you play the game, and it's hard to play 82 games to be on your game. I get that. But there's special moments that you really got to take a hold of, and I think this team's trying to embrace that right now. 
You, you mentioned development and even some the idea of time too. Yeah. Um, you know, we spoke to a couple of guys and like how the habits have changed for certain guys over the course of a year, yeah. and just building a development plan because there's struggles in, in that path. But you in particular, and I would say the, the, the management too, feel very comfortable absorbing like short-term negativity because you know you're going to get to the destination. How yeah. are you comfortable doing that? Yeah, I think you got to believe in the vision, you know, with the management. And I think, you know, Patrick, Helvin, and, and Jim, uh, I'm lucky I've had that relationship before. So we kind of see the same thing. And they, they felt when they got here, they had to develop the minor leagues. You know, the Abbotsford's doing, you know, uh, Jeremy Colton and they're doing a great job of developing. Obviously, starting to get some people in their uh, prospect pool, you know, some draft picks that, you know, Willander, Lennon and those guys. So now you're getting a prospect pool. And then you got the Hoaglanders and you got the Almonds and guys like that that now they're their first, you know, I know Neil, Neil's uh, played a couple of years ago, but was in the Myers. Now he's he's developing. Now, you know, what a, what a difference he's been in the last two months. I just felt the guys that are developing, you know, uh, Dakota, Joshua, like if you look at him, didn't dress one of the games at the start of the year, had a bad camp per se, and he's got 12 goals so far, and he's one of a top penalty killer. So that's the one thing I think I'm most proud of, and I think what's important is that our staff is constantly teaching, and uh, that's the way we believe. You know, you got to teach these kids, and there's going to be some bumps, like you said, and you got to just deal with them. Uh, you know, we, we talked about this off-air a lot um, about – like some of the comparisons to how NFL teams, the best NFL teams, have really good teachers as coaches, coordinators, guys that work really well with guys. That seems to be like one of the real keys for your group is, is having those teachers on board. Yeah, like a typical day, you know, yeah, I usually have about a 30, 40 minute practice, but if you look at, around it, you got the twins in the corner teaching body position with three guys. Then you got Yogi, our, our, our skills guy, teaching how to protect the puck on the other side. They got Adam Foot talking about. You know, some offensive plays with a defenseman. So there's segments. I wish I had I actually wish I had about seven rinks because you can <laughs> right. actually do like a football field. But uh, that's the way we teach. And I think, yeah, the, the, the meat of the practice, yes, and the systems, but it's the it's the the skill work and the 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 knowledge of a, a, the twins. To, hey, how do you cycle up? Those guys were incredible. Adam Foot, how do you box out? You know, those are the things that you want to, you know, as a young kid, teach them. Are the guys almost demanding more of it the more they get? If you, From the start when I first got here till now, guys are knocking on your door now. Guys are on the ice earlier than the coaches now. Uh, when I first got here, not so much um, because they see it's working. And, you know, you see like a guy like Hoglander, he's really starting to come, you know, and, you know, he's had some deficiencies, maybe his own end and certain plays with a puck. And if you watch, they're less and less. But he's the first guy on the ice now. And uh, I think he craves that knowledge. Is there still the space for guys to be themselves, right? Like we were just talking with Casey yeah. DeSmith, and he's saying working with Ian Clark, it's still how I want to play the game. But obviously, as a coach and in, in, in the skaters, you, you have certain staples that you like yeah, to mention. Sure. But, but still allowing the space to, for the guys to be their identity of themselves. Yeah, 100%. You know, you got to let the players be creative. You know, like obviously we have a, a system and the way, you know, I want us to play. But, it, you know, I don't want these guys to be robots. You know, right. there's certain times, listen, if you can make a play, and, you know, like I was talking the, the other night, if you can make a play and the guy gets it, it's going to be a great chance. Go for it. But my have a problem if you're going to make a play and the guy gets it, but he still has to go through three player, right, players. Right. That's where I, that's where the negotiation, you know, the non-negotiables come for, for me. Because then all of a sudden you're giving people free reign. 
Um, so, you know, this team, the, we make them accountable, but they make themselves accountable too. Uh, hockey is such a dynamic game. Things go so quickly. Yeah. So we can talk about forwards. Like, this guy's a good four-checker. This guy's yeah. a good F2 or whatever. But sure. sometimes you, you're the first guy and you got a four-check. So when we hear some people say, well, let the skill guy be a skill guy, but there's no such a thing, is it? Like, if you're the first guy and you got a forecheck, and if you don't do that, you're not going to have success as a line. Yeah, it's kind of funny when I hear that. It's it's hard for... To, you can't just have one skill guy stay back and everybody just... It doesn't work that way. You know, hockey's a 200-foot game, and if the first forechecker's going and the second guy doesn't go, it just defeats the purpose. Now, two passes, you're out because the second guy didn't, didn't go. And I always tell our players stories. Sidney Crosby... If you don't forecheck with him, you know, I don't care if you're a skill guy or not, he's going to let you hear about it. He's, he's probably one of the best forecheckers I know, and um, he's a skill guy. So uh, it's not just about forecheck. It's anything, you know. Yeah. You, you, but you have to allow creativity. Like, you can't just be, like I said, a robot. The, the term puzzle guys you've been using yeah. a lot here recently. Yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Is is that more about players fitting together? And, and by process of that, do you value how one player connects with another player more than just natural talent? Yeah, I think puzzle is chemistry with the line mates, yes. And it's also your role on a team, you know. There's certain nights if you're, you know, and I keep using some guys that um, can turn a game over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, we're, there's been games where, you know, for 20 minutes we're not in our game, but it takes, I guess, our puzzle guys to get forecheck or a guy blocks a shot. It does something to kind of wake the bench up. Um, I think that's what I like puzzle guys doing. You know, Josh Dakota, you know, sometimes he'll, him and Garland just get on the forecheck. They'll get the puck, and then they're all over the team. Whether they score or not, the next line sees that, and all of a sudden, oh, man, i got to get myself mm-hmm. going. So it's infectious. Uh, and, you know, we also oftentimes hear for fans, be like, why don't they elevate this guy, elevate this guy, yeah. give this guy more of a role. But yeah. what's the balance of also not asking a guy to do something he's not going to be as successful at doing and ensuring that he's going to succeed in the role he currently has. Yeah, and I think that's the most important part of this whole thing is uh, I got to be very strong as a, as a coach and, and our coaching staff not to hear the outside noise. It's not as easy to, well, this guy's playing good, put him on the yeah. first line or put this guy in the top power, but it doesn't work that way. You know, the development of it is big for me. Um, you know, I've done it a couple times. I've elevated Dakota Joshua last year one time for the first, it didn't work out. He started to get away from his game. Niels played with JT and Bess. It wasn't so, it didn't work out because he, but now he's in a good spot right now, but that doesn't mean he can't get more ice time. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve more ice time as a, or, or maybe he will get elevated one day. But right now his role, it, he's thriving it and it helps our team. Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't get more ice time or if he deserves more ice time. He should always demand more ice time for sure. And that's, that's with his play. Do you have more appreciation that? Because having been on both sides of it as, as a player, as a coach of, guys being hungry but it, it, it might mean more to have success in your current role than it is to get elevated and maybe kind of have murky results yeah I, I think you always want to strive to get better I mean I mean more mm-hmm. um, you just got to be careful that it doesn't affect your game you know sometimes when you want more you, you don't maybe you're not, you don't hit the guy uh, first on the forecheck or you're not in front of that now you start playing outside mm-hmm. you, you get away from your game and in this league, one of you guys said it's a hard. It's hard to win. It's a, it's a hard league, and when you're on a, you, you get on a little bit of a slump. Those slumps turn into, like, could turn into a couple of weeks or a bunch of games, and there's nothing like. I always tell the players, you got to be on guard. You know, when you're on a roll or you're doing the right things, keep it going because it can turn, and then it's hard to get out. Because well, confidence can be so fickle, even for the top players, right? Well, of course. I mean, 
there's a lot of pressure on the top players. They've got to produce every night, and they're not going to have their A game. And uh, there's going to be times that uh, the puck's not going to go in. So there might be two, three games they don't get a point, and all of a sudden, it, you know, you start squeezing your stick. And that's what, why great players, are, they're great. They're prepared for that stuff because, you know, in practice, I, that's all we say about Sidney Crosby. This guy is on the ice constantly working his game under pressure. So he doesn't go in those slumps because he's used to the pressure. And I think that's something that I, I, we always talk about as a group on our team, that you got to handle pressure um, when things hit you. We had a bunch of the players to talk about the, the unselfish nature of the group and, and, and doing it for each other. Yeah. Is there an example that, that sticks out to you, whether it was last season as, okay, this is starting to turn, this is what I want to see. That was the kind of the first thing of why guys were starting to buy in? Well, I think chain, chain line changes. When I first got here, was something that we had to change. It, it wasn't good. Um, and I think bad line changes or people that stay out there long, they don't mean to do it, but sometimes it's unselfish. You know, I mean, I mean it's very selfish right. to do that because now you're, you're putting your, your troubles into the guy that's just on the ice. So we've cleaned that up. So I would think this group has done a nice job of getting better of, of the shorter shifts. Um, even like a simple thing as an empty net. You know, everybody wants to be on yeah. for an empty net. Um, and sometimes when they don't get on, you, you see some guys get upset. I saw that a long time when it was here. I don't see it now. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want a player to come in after the next day. Hey, talk. How come I don't get out there on empty right. net? Or how come I'm not out there the last three minutes? I'm, I'm happy to dialogue and, 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 and hash it out. But in real time, in real moment, you can't have bad body language for your teammates. Mm-hmm. On that moment, be happy for the guy that whether he scores the empty net or the, we win the game, in real time, be happy. Now, after, in a, the right moment, yeah, come in my office. And, I, and the players know that. They come to my office and disagree. I just had Zadorov come the other, today. and what a, He didn't play the third period. And he had some good valid points. He probably should have played. And I like that. I respect that. I, I like Zaddy. And, uh, and for him to do that, it means a lot to me that that's the partnership we have. But it's it's also trust, though, isn't it? Like for you to be able to trust that, okay, let me, I'll focus on winning, but I can trust and I can talk to the guy. 100%. And that can also get through with them. It's a good point. You know, the doors, I know it's the cliche with the, 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 the coaches, the door is always open, but it is. And we have multiple coaches that they could, I, I, we've had players that just go into another, they might go see the talk to the twins mm-hmm. about, hey, man, I'm struggling here. You know, what's talk thinking or whatever. It's not just me. It's, you know, we have an eclectic group of, of and a lot of guys have autonomy. I, I give our coaches autonomy. It's not just always me. But the main time, though, I do I do respect the players knowing that they can come to me at any time, good or bad. You know, like I said, I'm, I've been wrong. I'm, I'm wrong, too. Like, you know, I might, hey, man, I at the time I didn't think you were playing well. But now that I looked at the video the next day, man, I lost it. You should have played. So that happens. Not very often, but it happens. <laughs> Do you feel like the, the environment of coaching is different from when you played now to, to, to create those rela- relationships? Because it feels like yeah. th- th- that to me is two-way street to empower the players to go achieve you know, ultimate goals and very unique results. So you have to yeah. do it differently. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the old style coaches could coach nowadays. No disrespect to yeah. them because they were great, but it's a different era. You know, even when I played, it's like we're gonna, you're doing this, and if you don't, you're gonna sit the bench. Now you got to explain to players why we're doing this. You know, this is the system we're doing. Here's the reasons why. Um, is that so more powerful? I, I think it's more powerful in, in the sense that you answer the. You know, first of all, you can't. The coach has to. You know, he steers a ship. Like yeah. they're not going to run the show, but mm-hmm. they do have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I want them like you know a guy like JT Miller like he's very he comes in office a lot of time and hey why are we doing this why don't we try that I I love that but at the end of the day he knows when we hit the ice it's it's mm-hmm. it's our way which means him it's 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 a, it's a total group's buy-in and how much discipline does it take because I mean at the end of the day you're human as well you see something sure. you don't like and, it, and things can rub you the wrong way yeah. it, just, it just happens but to not let that get in the way of your interactions with the player yeah um, just because I'm the head coach that doesn't I, it's, it's just a title like if you have a confrontation with a player on the bench or in the room or, or, or things, you know, whatever, something happens, the next day you grab a coffee, you're saying hi to the guy. Mm-hmm. And you're, hey, how's your wife or how's your – like, you're, there's a human aspect. I don't – back in the day, maybe the coach is like, you know, they give you one of these, they don't look right. at you, it's more of sturdy. I don't work that way. You know, we're all human. And because you had a personal – not personal, but a, a game conflict or whatever happened, the guy was mad because, you know, coach didn't play him. The next day is a new day, and I think that's something that we've like, we've we've gone. The players know that, and, and and that happens with our staff too. We have that same thing. They're friendly as hell the next day. Amongst the staff, I mean, a lot of former players, uh, guys who are naturally competitive. Do you do you, do you notice the competition amongst yourselves of, of trying to push each other to get better for the players? As coaches, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the round table, and I want my coaches to give us give me feedback. And I got coaches where. Talk. I disagree with this. I think this guy should play with this guy, or I think against this team, you know, I think we should go to two man or a one man forecheck off the draw because of this. I want this. Now, at the end of the day, it's my decision. And there's times I say, "Hey, you guys are right. I'm wrong." So um, I think that's the only way you create a, 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 a strong environment if you allow that kind of dialogue. Um, and I got to be very receptive of it too, because, like I said, I'm not always right, and I got to make sure that. You know, I, I listen to my coaches. Uh, Rick, it's always a pleasure having yeah. you. We, we can keep going, but I know you got stuff to do. So, yeah. Doug, thanks for your time and best of luck the rest Thank, of the season. Good man. questions. I appreciate it. You got it. That is Canucks head coach Rick talking on Canucks Central.